Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. Exhibition season is upon us in the Western Hockey League. We've already seen exhibition games in the Q and in the Ontario Hockey League. And, of course, across the CJHL, the USHL camps opened up as well. And the NAHL has kicked off its regular season. Welcome to the program, everybody. This is Guy Flaming, and this is the Pipeline Show. Of course, the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in Alberta. Go to their two locations, either in Spruce Grove, Alberta, or in Leduc, Alberta, or you can contact them online. If you are in Western Canada and you can't get to either location, you can contact them, and they will ship any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. That's Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky. Let's get right to the news and notes, and we'll start with the question of the week, as it has a lot to do with uh, the guest list. As last week's question had to do with the guest list for last week's show, much the same this week as the question reads like this. What is your regular season standings prediction for the five teams in the WHL's BC division? And of course, spoiler alert, all those teams will be previewed on this week's episode. Of course, patrons at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. They've heard all these interviews already because they have early access a couple of bucks a month is all that takes, and uh, you can have early access as well. Thank you to all patrons who have uh, continued to support the program. There has been a flurry of activity here over the last uh, couple of weeks as a new patrons coming on board, which is really exciting. I'm going to give it to you really quick what my predicted uh, finish is for the teams in the BC division. I'm going Kamloops number one. I'm going to say Vancouver number two. There's an asterisk to that which I'll explain in the segment when we talk about the Vancouver Giants. I'm going to go Prince George number three, followed by Kelowna and Victoria. But after you've heard all the previews for all the teams, then maybe place your vote then and uh, go onto the Twitter feed at TPS underscore Guy and uh, let me know what you think uh, the BC division will look like at the end of the regular season. Not a whole lot happening in terms of uh, news across uh, the prospect hockey world at the moment just seeing this reported out of calgary that uh, matt stajan has joined the calgary hitman's bench staff as an assistant coach 
That's a great addition to the Calgary Hitmen. I did think that the press release kind of overshadowed this opportunity opened up for Matt Station because a longtime assistant coach, Joel Otto, having to step down uh, due to, uh, for health reasons, he's got a hip problem. Uh, Joel Otto has been on the bench for the Hitmen for 15 years. Of course, longtime NHLer uh, with the Calgary Flames and uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. So great that they uh, get Matt Station, but uh, feel bad for Joel Otto and wish him all the best. Also in the Western Hockey League, the league announcing that uh, because of the ongoing U.S.-Canada border situation, that uh, they've shuffled some games around. There won't be any games between the B.C. and the U.S. division teams until at least November now. And I would expect that that's something that they'll revisit probably every month. And if they have to push it back another month, they push it back another month. And theoretically, we could see a season where the two divisions just play within their own division for the entire season. If that's the case, I wonder if maybe the league decides to have the BC division and uh, the central division play a little bit just to give a little bit of variety and keep things a little fresher, maybe for, especially for the BC teams. I don't know. Hopefully it doesn't come to that though. Uh, The WHL also announced some uh, rule changes for this season. You can find those on the WHL's website. Uh, I wouldn't say there's anything really earth shattering, some clarification on the offside rule how they're going to determine that with the instant replay. The crease violation is being brought in. I think we see this at the World Junior Championship. Sort of think of a basketball where you can't be in the uh, in the paint there for, what is it, three seconds, I think, or they, uh, they blow the whistle. Now, it's going to be similar for hockey now, and we see that in the World Junior Championship, that if a player steps into the crease uh, for too long, and it's at the discretion of the referee, uh, they'll blow the whistle. Now, they're not specific about that duration of time. It just says here, the stoppage shall occur when, in the referee's judgment, the player's body or a substantial portion thereof is within the goal crease for more than a brief period of time. So what's that, a two count? Three count? Five seconds? But what will happen is there'll be a uh, face-off in the neutral zone, like it was as if it was an offside. Not at center ice, like I believe it is in the World Juniors. Uh, a few other rule changes there as well you can uh, check out at whl.ca. Some preseason action in, in the Ontario Hockey League. Things to start here in the WHL this weekend. Kitchener is playing Barry. Guelph is in Mississauga. And the Erie Otters are hosting the Flint Firebirds. Kingston on the road in Peterborough. As a preseason continues in the Ontario Hockey League, most teams in the queue have played uh, upwards of five games uh, so far in the preseason. The top teams in exhibition, St. John, Shawinigan, and the BB Armada with uh, four wins in five games. St. John has scored 33 goals in their five wins. Hey, speaking of the border crossing, I'm wondering how that's going to affect the Superior International Junior Hockey League. This is one of the nine now leagues in the CJHL. It used to be 10, but the BCHL has gone independent. But the Superior International Junior Hockey League, it's uh, got teams in both Canada and the United States, right around Lake Superior. But if the Canadian border is going to be an issue for the Western Hockey League, how does the SIJHL get around it? That'll be something to uh, keep an eye on here in the in the next few weeks. Preseason continuing in the AJHL as well. The Drayton Valley Thunder are 5-0 and in uh, the exhibition schedule. Okotoks also has a perfect record. They're 3-0. Hunter Price continues to lead uh, 
the AJHL in scoring in the exhibition, followed closely by teammate Daniel Kernahan, both of them members of the Drayton Valley Thunder. Price has eight points in four games. There's a trio of players with uh, six points in exhibition. Ethan O'Coin from the Lloyd Bobcats, uh, Tyler Mahan from the Whitecourt Wolverines, and Olds Grizzlies defenseman a True Crow, all with six points so far. AJHL regular season gets going here next weekend. Yeah, starting on uh, Friday, September 17th, all 16 teams are in action. The Null is underway in the regular season. At least two teams are, as uh, they started in the middle of this week, and it was a uh, two-game sweep for the Northeast Generals, who uh, swept the Danbury Junior Hattricks. And the reason that one stood out to me was, it is Danbury, Connecticut. If you have not watched the documentary, it's on Netflix. It's called Untold. And the episode in question here is uh, called Crime and Penalties. It is about the uh, Danbury Trashers back in 2004. Lasted two seasons in the uh, UHL. Uh, it is quite the documentary, but uh, the Danbury Junior Hattricks hosting the first two games of the NAHL season. Uh, but it's a quick 2-0 start for the Northeast Generals. The Generals play out of Altaboro, Massachusetts. And the only college hockey news that uh, I've seen reported here in the last few days is everybody's back onto the ice now and starting to practice, but the, uh, the Colorado College Tigers getting a uh, look at their new building looks pretty sharp. And I don't know if it's the rink or something else, new coach there as well, but seems to be a bit of a buzz about Colorado College coming into this year. Chris Mayotte is the new head coach there. First college hockey action will be actually the first game. It's an exhibition game between uh, Alaska and uh, Simon Fraser University in uh, British Columbia. That'll go on uh, the 25th of September. Everybody else starts playing on Saturday, October 2nd. A bunch of those are some exhibition games. But also some non-conference action as the teams get right at it on October 2nd. North of the border, the U Sports uh, season begins on Wednesday, October 6th. Most of that out east in the Maritimes. Games involving Canada West clubs in the western part of Canada begin on uh, Friday the 15th. That's the same weekend for OUA clubs as well. So we're not that far away from uh, U Sports kicking off once again. All right, let's get to the guest list. And, of course, all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. And I saw on their Twitter feed that Troubled Monk had a couple of new uh, offerings, which I haven't had a chance to try yet. But one is called the Steezy California Common, and the other is the Made in the Shade Blackberry Fruit Beer. I've tried some of the other Made in the Shade varieties when they're available. Not the Blackberry one yet. Also, nice kudos to the folks at Troubled Monk. The Open Road American Brown Ale, as well as the uh, original Troubled Tea, the Hard Ice Tea, winning Best in Class in their categories from the Alberta Beverage Awards. So lots of stuff to try. And if you live in Alberta, especially between Calgary and St. Albert, including Edmonton, Red Deer, Sherwood Park, all the, the cities and towns along Highway 2, you can try some of those new beverages. Get them delivered right to your door. All you do is go to troubledmonk.com slash shop, use promo code PIPELINE, and those deliveries will come right to your door at no cost, free delivery. And I know for myself personally, I am due for a new shipment, so I'll be getting my order in here pronto. 
All right, this week's guest list, it's a, it's a good show for sure as we get set for the upcoming campaign in the Western Hockey League with the five teams in the BC division. And here is the order that we will go. First up, the Kelowna Rockets, Regan Bartell, the longtime voice of the Rockets. He'll be followed by uh, Fraser Rogers of the Prince George Cougars, the resurgent Cougars, as this looks like it's going to be the best year they've had in uh, quite some time. But we won't know for sure till they hit the ice, because that's uh, that's why you play the games. Uh, then we go to the Kamloops Blazers and uh, John Keane, the voice of the Blazers. There'll be a lot of uh, entertaining nights, I believe, in Kamloops this year to watch that club. Then we'll shift over to Vancouver. Dan O'Connor, the voice of the Vancouver Giants. And we'll close things out this week with uh, Marlon Martins, the uh, voice of the Victoria Royals out on Vancouver Island. I think it's going to be a good season in the BC division. I think it's going to be competitive. You know, and I'll be honest, I going into these conversations, I kind of had an image in my head of what the final standings would look like, and it was changed by the time I'd spoken with all five of these gentlemen. As Let's be honest, it's been a while since we've had a full season. It's t- kind of a little bit tough to predict what teams are going to look like coming through after uh, as long of a delay as we've had. It was almost like 600 days since we played some, you know, normal schedule hockey. I know we just came through the uh, abbreviated 20-game, 24-game season, but that was anything but a normal year. Let's see what it looks like this year. And we'll start with the Kelowna Rockets. Regan Bartell, he's up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hi, this is Luke Shun of the Kelowna Rockets. Hey, it's Madison Bowie. Miles Bell. Nick Merkley. Hey, I'm Leon Dreisaitl. Hey, it's Tyson Bailey. This is Mitch Wheaton. Hi, this is Tyrell Goldburn from the Kelowna Rockets, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Rocket Man, burning out of fuse out here Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Johnny Gaudreau. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Oh, my. We are back on the Pipeline Show, and we will begin this week's uh, look at the uh, teams in the BC division of the Western Hockey League. Uh, We'll start in uh, Kelowna, but, of course, the Pipeline Show brought to you by our title sponsor. That's Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky. As we get to uh, the Kelowna Rockets and uh, the uh, now longtime play-by-play voice. I say longtime, but uh, Regan Bartell is my guest. Regan, how long have you been behind the mic now for the Rockets? It's only been 26 years, Guy. Yeah, it Ooh. actually started way back in 2000. I came from Swift Current. I did five years there with the Broncos. and came here to the Okanagan. It was funny. When I came here, you know, back in 2000, I thought, oh, yeah, I'm only going to be in Kelowna for what? Maybe five to six years, and this <laughs> is going to allow me to branch into potentially going to the National Hockey League. Oh, wow. What happened there? A little bit of uh, realization that maybe you're not quite as good as you thought you were. <laughs> and uh, but hey, honestly, great landing spot. There's been you know it's been a winning tradition. All those Memorial Cup appearances the Rockets have made. I mean I've been to five Memorial Cups over that stretch, so it could be a whole lot worse. But 
again, finally, we can actually say that this is no longer the Kelowna Rockets' uh, longest off-season in franchise history. Of course, that was what last year before we finally got into the abbreviated season. So I think we're ready to go, though. I mean, hey, it's getting a little cooler outside. It gets uh, darker a lot quicker, so hockey must be just around the corner. Exactly. Uh, Regan, is. I think you're one of the most recognizable voices in, in the Western Hockey League. And if, you know, maybe their springboard didn't happen to the NHL yet, uh, but nice landing spot, though, Kelowna. It's well, one of the prettiest parts of North America, so you got to be happy with that. It really is, and, you know, when you look at the big picture, I think everybody, you know, uh, all, all my colleagues across the, the WHL, I think we all want to get to the NHL level, and I think as you get older, you, you come to the realization that maybe it's not going to happen, or you've had the opportunity to potentially, you know, uh, throw your name into the hat to mm-hmm. get a chance to call games at the National Hockey League level, and it's it's extremely competitive, much like it is here even at the WHL level. I think at the end of the day, you want to know what? You're up in the broadcast booth, and you're calling games on the ice, and it really doesn't matter. Well, I guess it matters to a certain degree what the skill level is, but I think when you have a general passion, right, just for, for, for calling play-by-play, and specifically hockey, because it's such a quick sport, and it's really fun to do, and you know what it's like when you really get into that zone where it becomes, it just feels so natural, you really don't have to think about it, it just seems like your your mouth works well, <laughs> you're able to, you know, you're able to speak fluently, and you're able to call the action, you're able to call the, you know, the excitement, when you're really locked in to the game, like when the Rockets are locked into their game, and when they're playing at their optimum level, or any junior player is performing at their optimum level, uh, that makes it a whole lot of fun, and that's why, uh, as a broadcaster, again, yeah, would you like to be the NHL level? Sure, but I think the WHL isn't too sheep shabby either. Well, the press box is a lot closer to the ice surface than the WHL. I can I can tell you that. <laughs> you, you've been to the uh, the well the Saddle Dome, and you've been to the uh, the rink here at Edmonton as well. So you know we the vantage point for uh, WHL is pretty darn good. Well, it sure is, and it's funny you say that because I remember this would have been you know, back in 2009 when the Rockets took on the Calgary Hitmen, the heavily favored Calgary Hitmen in the WHL final, and I remember doing those games up at the Saddle Dome, and I thought that was a terribly long way away from the ice, <laughs> and it took me a long time to get used to that, but up until you go to Edmonton, you get a real good indication that when you're at the Saddle Dome, which is the, what, is it not the oldest uh, arena in the National Hockey League, when you do games at the Saddle Dome, it does not compare to what the distance is to center ice when uh, you're at the home of the Edmonton Oilers. So beautiful facility in Edmonton, don't get me wrong, but when it comes to my brothers, and this is maybe odd for me to say this, but probably the building I least like to call WHL games in would in fact be, oddly, in Edmonton. 109 yards uh, to center ice uh, from the broadcast positions uh, at the rink here in Edmonton. We pulled out the rangefinder. Uh, the first season wow. we were doing games because we couldn't believe how far away it was. And that's what it came out to. Yeah, so for me, that's a nine iron on a good day. But Yeah, exactly. Well, and you look at the monitor, right? You've got a monitor to your right. And so it gives you a, an indicator of what's going on on the ice surface. Right. But again, I think every game I've done in there, and I've probably done maybe uh, maybe a handful of games, I've struggled each and every time. Edmonton has also had very good teams, so they own the puck a lot. So <laughs> when you see the Edmonton Oil Kings only once a season, uh, let's just say the entire broadcast uh, is always a bit of a struggle. Beautiful scoreboard, though, and it's massive. Do you end up calling games by watching the scoreboard a lot of time? 
Yeah, you do that. You really do. I mean, as weird as that may be, but yeah, you'll either look right at center ice or, like I said, you have that screen to your right, the television set to your right, uh, which gives you an opportunity to really hone in on exactly who has the puck. But yeah. at the end of the day, again, yeah, it's a struggle. It's a beautiful building. I mean, uh, there's not many uh, things you can say that aren't nice about it. It's a massive broadcast booth, and who doesn't like to have the room like that? But when you get down to the nitty-gritty of just calling the game, nothing better than the old medicine hat arena where you're at center ice. You can basically feel the spit from the players down on the on the ice surface. To me, that was probably one of the best locations that I've ever called a game here at the WHL level. Yeah, those are great. Brandon's rink I was in last year or the year before, whatever, the, the first shutdown year. Uh, that was great, great to be in there. I've been in Saskatoon's rink and... A good vantage point there, and you mentioned Medicine Hat. I haven't been to the new one in Medicine Hat yet, uh, but Red Deer is always great, too. I I think the Art Hauser has a reputation for being one of the better ones, too, for broadcast positions, no? In, in PA. It is, yeah, because I mean, your head's on a swivel, right? I mean, they're going by you so quickly to your, your left and your right. It's, it's like uh, calling tennis because, I mean, yeah, it moves so quickly. It, you get, it really gives you a better indication of exactly how quick, how fast, how skilled these players are. You can watch them in practice, but when you see them in game uh, situations and you see them from that close up, then you get a real good indicator of how elite these athletes are. 16 to 20, and they are quick, they are fast, they are superb, and they're playing a lot of games for a short period of time. It's amazing what they're able to do. All right, let's get to the camp roster, and we'll maybe we'll start by looking back at the shortened season and who's not back from uh, that roster for the Rockets, and the, uh, that'd be the 2,000-born players, Liam Kindred, David Cope, uh, Dylan Hamilak, uh, not back either, Sean Comrie off the back end, and a goaltender, Roman Bazarin, he's eligible to come back, but he's down in Everett now uh, with the uh, silver tips. Anybody else that I've uh, missed? Oh, I guess Caden Korzak as well, right? Signed player, so he'll be in American Hockey League, or at least uh, for himself. Anybody else? Yeah, Caden Korzak, that's a big loss, right? Yeah, second-round sure. pick of the Vegas Golden Knights, so he'll play pro hockey. Uh, you talked about Sean Comrie and David Cope. They're both going to Grant McEwen. Roman Bazrin, as you said, he went to Everett of all places. It was interesting when uh, the Rockets elected to essentially release him. I, you know, he was given an opportunity here in Kelowna as a 16-year-old, a 17- and 18-year-old, and even you know in that abbreviated season as a 19-year-old to see if he was good enough to be a 20-year-old on the Rocket roster, and uh, they felt as a 20-year-old goaltender they didn't want to have him back. So they release him, and Everett picks him up, so we'll see if he makes the uh, the tip roster. And then Alex Swetlikoff. Uh, the Rockets made a right. trade. They sent Alex Swetlikoff to the tips. Uh, they get a draft pick. They get a player by the name, the name of Max Graham. He's six foot three, 180 pounds. He's a Kelowna kid. Don't know much about him. He's a listed player, never drafted by a WHL team. Uh, played a couple of games, though, in the abbreviated season with the Everett Silver Tips. Again, he's a big body. He's younger than Swetlikov, so we'll see what he can do when he wears Kelowna Rocket colors. So uh, there's some losses, and I think specifically when you take a look at Dylan Hamlet, he provided scoring, was never as dominant as we hoped he would have become. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caden Korzak was a two-time Kelowna Rocket defenseman of the year, so that's a massive loss. And uh, David Cope was okay, you know, uh, during the abbreviated season. He put in some goals and showed some skill. Again, a very small sample size. So uh, the Rockets lose some uh, key guys specifically up front in Caden Korzak. I don't know if he can replace him. All right, well, let's start in net with the goalies who uh, will be coming to camp. I believe there are three who are signed. Uh, that would be Cole Schwebius, Cole Tisdale, and Nick Cristiano. Uh, anybody else that you're aware of who is coming to camp? 
Yeah, those are the only guys I can think of. There's also a 16-year-old. His name is Alex Schwiller. Okay. He's a Calgary kid, a seventh-round uh, banner pick of the Rockets from 2020. I think he's going to be at camp. But uh, Nicholas Cristiano is probably the most interesting of those goaltenders we talked about because he was uh, one of three the Rockets had during the abbreviated season. Rockets only played 16 games. And Cristiano practiced with the team. He did see action in one game. And he actually beat Victoria. He actually made 31 saves at a 5-1 victory, and he looked really good. And so he, again, is a listed player, never uh, never a WHL bantam pick. So it'll be interesting to see what Cristiano does as he comes in and tries to establish himself potentially as the number one goaltender. And I think you probably always ask, okay, is the number one goaltender Cole Schwabius? Well, as a 20-year-old, he should be. Right. But again, for Cole Schwabius, he, too, is a guy that uh, is kind of consistently inconsistent, right? Like, at times, he looks really, really good locked in. At other times, you know, allows the soft goal. So, uh, do you want to have him around as a 20-year-old? I'm not sure. I think when you look at the 20-year-olds that the Rockets have returning, it uh, makes you feel like potentially, you know, do you go with Tyson Feist and Mark Lewiski and Jake Lee over a guy like Cole Schwabius? Potentially. But, again, goaltending is so valuable, so we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. And there's a guy by the name of Cole Tisdale. He's from Lethbridge, and he was with the Rockets when they were in a, a heap of trouble, injury trouble in the goaltender position. They had to call him up, and I remember he played as a 15-year-old. And he actually played really, really well. But now, of course, he's, like we all are, getting along in the tooth and getting, getting older by, by the years. And by the time comes around here, he's going to be like a 19-year-old goalie. So we'll see what uh, Cole Tisdale does. If he can, in fact, maybe he can take the number one duties. But it's, it, uh, to me, the number one goaltending situation with the Rockets is clearly up for grabs. Swabius may be the inside track, but again... Can you knock off those other uh, three 20-year-olds I talked about? It's pretty tough to uh, get rid of one of those three. Jake Lee was so good, I thought, in the abbreviated season. Mark Lewiski had nine goals. Yeah. He led the Rockets, you know, with, with uh, the nine goals. And then Tyson Feist, I thought, really took a step forward. Not only is he, is he a tough guy, but he can actually play the game. He showed it, I thought, during the abbreviated season. I thought he was very, very good. So uh, the 20-year-old situation, the goaltending situation, uh, there's a lot of question marks there. A couple of those 20s that you mentioned are on the blue line. Maybe we'll go to that position now, too. And Feist and Lee would be those two veteran guys. But there's a whole swack of guys who kind of dipped their toe into the WHL last season in that shortened season. And I think a lot of teams kind of use that as a development year. And the Rockets, no exception there, especially on the on the back end. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you look at the 18-year-olds, right? Quite a few good defensemen there. Uh, Noah Dory, I think, impressed. Uh, he's, he's a guy that... I think when you look at his body of work at times, you know, maybe he struggles a little bit, but the NHL's Boston Bruins uh, showed enough faith in him by, by electing to bring him to rookie camp. I thought that was pretty cool for a guy like, you know, Nora Dory, who's only 18 years of age. I thought uh, Jackson D'Souza also took a step forward. He's in that 18 year old age group. So, you know, those are the younger guys. Uh, Will Irving is also a player. He's a, a guy, a rookie, I thought he actually showed some pretty good things, too, with the puck. Uh, again, you know, just trying to get acclimated to the WHL level. But I like that 18-year-old age group. And then, of course, you go a little bit younger than that. Uh, Johnny Babcock looks pretty good on the back end. Uh, I, I like the good crop of, of young Rocket uh, defensemen that they have, uh, you know, come, coming back this year. But, again, who replaces Caden Korzak? I don't think any – there's there's really not anybody on that list. I think if you look at any type of offensive prowess, It'd be from Jake Lee. I thought Jake Lee at times showed some real, real nice 
um, headsy play. I thought he was real good with the puck. And the Rockets have made some good mileage with him because he was one of the key uh, key guys acquired uh, from the Seattle Thunderbirds for a first-round WHL banner pick, among other things, as the Rockets are trying to bolster their roster for the 2020 Memorial Cup. And mm-hmm. I just thought Jake Lee, I mean, we had him here as an 18-year-old, now as a 19-year-old, potentially here as a 20-year-old. So uh, he's almost he's almost become the, the key piece in that trade with Seattle. And I, I anticipate him having a real good year this upcoming season. Did you see much of Caden Price last year? Second-round pick in 2020. I know he's coming to camp looking to be a rookie this year. Did he play much at all? No, didn't see him at all. No, he didn't play whatsoever. Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of guys, right, that, yeah. are, that are we're, we're going to get a better look at. Uh, uh, Marcus Pacheco is a player. He's an Edmonton kid, a third-round draft pick. He's a 2005. We're going to see him. Uh, Caden Price, I'm not sure if he'll make the Rocket roster. He's a second-round pick, but he's a guy that scored 31 goals a couple of years ago You know, when he was 15 years old is when he put up those type of numbers. So mm-hmm. there's some guys that have some traction you know, offensively back on the blue line. Uh, but again, I think when you look at the entire defensive core, I think they're going to just be mean. I think they're going to be nasty to play against. I mean, that's what I see from them. They're going to be big. Uh, they're going to play burly hockey, and so uh, they're not going to again generate a whole lot. I think from the back end, right. but uh, they're going to be a tough. They're going to be a tough group, I think, to play against each and every time. Out. Yeah, it certainly looks like a lot of beef on the blue line. Even they might not be marquee names or, or household names, but uh, the, yeah, it's not going to be a fun group to have to compete against in the corners or in front of the net. Um, all right, let's look at the forward group. And uh, you mentioned Mark Lewiski, one of the leading scorers from last year's club, and uh, might—I think he is the lead, the top scorer of the returnees uh, from last year's team. If, uh, if I'm—oh no, Trevor Wong, of course, led the team in scoring last year. But also, you get Pavel Novak back from Europe. Another import coming coming in this year. Is is the strength of the, the uh, Rockets coming into the season up front? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, Pavel Novak, he's a Minnesota wild draft pick, and he did not come over during the abbreviated season. He mm-hmm. went uh, and played pro hockey in the Czech Republic, and he did play for his country at the World Junior Hockey Championship, and he'll be afforded that luxury again this year because he's only 19 years of age. Yeah, Novak had 25 goals last year, and he's excited to come back here and play uh, as a 19-year-old, and he's going to yeah, he's going to lead the charge for the Rockets offensively. It was interesting. I had a chance to talk to Kelowna Rocket head coach Chris Malant, and I asked him a couple of weeks ago on, you know, now that Novak is coming back, who's he going to play with? And uh, <laughs> he, he said to me, well, he'll probably play with two other forwards. Uh, <laughs> that's, about his, uh, that's about all he was going to tell me. He was not going to tell me who those two individuals would be that Novak would uh, – would be uh, joining on, let's say, the Rockets' number one line. But it'll be interesting to see exactly who they match up with with Pavel Novak. But again, he's, he's as quiet as a mouse. He, he doesn't say a whole lot. It's, I mean, I guess he's your typical European, even though the Europeans, I think, are a little more uh, verbose than what they were, let's say, even 10 years ago. But Pavel Novak on the bus doesn't say a whole lot. Uh, always has a little smile on his face and loves life. I, you know, he's not one of these guys that's a Debbie Downer. He's always positive. And uh, he likes to compete, and he makes everybody around him so much better. So he'll be a real fun player to watch. And then, yeah, you look at Trevor Wong. Did not get drafted in the NHL draft, and he was disappointed. He probably thought he was going to be taken. I thought there'd be that outside shot of that happening. But, again, he's just so slight. He's so small. And you can tell he's maturing. Like When you see these guys year after year, and you, boy, you look at him and you go, boy, he sure looks a whole lot different you know, from when he was 16 to even now 18 years of age. 
But uh, he's going to get a chance to go to the rookie camp with the Florida Panthers. So that's going to be a real good thing for him. Uh, we'll give him some confidence, I would think. We'll give him a better indicator of exactly what he needs to improve on. Uh, he had a pretty good abbreviated season, though. He had 16 points in 16 games. Again, a very small window there to see exactly how he's matured as a player. But he's going to have to be you know, real good this season as well. He'll get power play time. And I anticipate him uh, potentially being on the Rockets' number one line. So, uh, will, will it be hard scoring goals? Probably. But I think if you look at the strength of this team, I would say more so up front than, than clearly back on the blue line. Well, yeah, it looks like that from the outside looking in, too. Uh, any young guys uh, who maybe were down the depth chart in the last year or two that uh, are ready to take the next step? Yeah, for sure. Andrew Crystal, the uh, Rockets' first round WHL banner pick from 2020. I really liked him. He played as a 15 year old in the abbreviated season, had five points. He only had two goals, but still, uh, you can see that this guy is, he's got the ability, he's got the skill set. Uh, where you want to see him on the power play. He was really, really good. I thought he made a real nice debut. No, I really like those. Nolan Flamond. Uh, he's a Saskatoon kid. He's a second-round WHL banner pick of the Rockets. He only scored once in the abbreviated season, but again, always around the puck, and his compete level was off the chart. And You talk about guys that you know compete real hard. Turner McMillan, uh, he's a late WHL Bantam pick. His dad is Dave McMillan. He's a former Tacoma Rocket, so it's kind of a neat story there. So you've got his dad playing with the Rockets, and you know, Turner plays with the Kelowna Rockets, so you've got that connection there. And he, too, just like his dad, works so hard. And that's, I guess, at the end of the day, he, you know, we talk about, you know, skill level and how much skill do you need. Uh, but, but in the game of hockey, it's so much different than, let's say, the game of basketball where you've got one guy who's got tremendous skill and, let's say, puts up massive amounts of points, but he's on the floor for the majority of the game. And hockey is such a different story, right? Even your elite players only playing, let's say, your elite forwards are playing 19 to 20 minutes or maybe slightly over that. But I think as long as you work hard, it's amazing what you're able to do as a cohesive unit. That's what I like about hockey because it's just it's such a team sport. And if you have a coach that is able to implement the right system and get your group to work hard consistently, it's amazing how you can make up for maybe even, even a lack of skill. Regan Bartell is my guest. He's the uh, voice of the Kelowna Rockets, joins me courtesy of the Troubled Monk Hotline. Uh, what's the COVID situation like in your area right now? And for fans who are looking to buy tickets and come watch the Rockets play, what do they need to know before they get to the rink? Well, let's just say that the central Okanagan, or let's just call it uh, the Kelowna area, I mean, right now it's uh, kind of the COVID hotspot in BC. And it all went sideways after the restrictions were, um, you know, they, they, they weren't stopped, but again, you know, they were drawn back a little bit as we went into the summer. And what happens? you got Canada Day, you got all these people, all these tourists coming to the Okanagan Valley, and the numbers shot up. So, yeah, we got a lot of COVID cases here. It's not a good situation right now. Interior health, which really, it's, it's a large area, and I, I don't want to get into all the minutiae, but interior health, which is essentially Kelowna and the, and the Canvas Blazers, the Rockets and the Blazers are in interior health. And right now, we have probably some of the the tightest restrictions you'll find in terms of, you know, trying to combat COVID-19. And so right now, I mean, you can't have 50 people indoors to watch a game. So 
let's say if the puck would drop today, and this was the preseason, and the Blazers were playing the Rockets at Prospera Place, that game would not happen. We would have to take that game elsewhere. Uh, if you look at football, the Okanagan Sun, which is our junior football team here, they can't play home games, and that's in an outdoor facility. I wow. mean, they're playing their games uh, essentially in the lower mainland because of the restrictions that are, that are in place here. So it's not a good situation. Again, the borders remain closed. Uh, the Americans can come into Canada. The Canadians can't go into the U.S. And even once we're allowed to do that, you always wonder, you know, from a WHL perspective, what's the cost for us to go in and out? I mean, you'll, I would anticipate right now you'd have to test before you go into the U.S. And then when you come back into Canada, you'd have to test again. And so that is just a, another hurdle the WHL will have to overcome. Maybe in the next couple of weeks it'll improve significantly, but what we've seen, you, you see it all the time, and I'm sure it's a guarantee that all governors in the WHL look at the COVID-19 numbers when they're released, you know, every day, and they go, oh, no, the numbers continue to go higher and higher, and I, I don't know where it's going to go. Right now, again, if we're able to have fans in the stands, I think the Rockets, in a best-case scenario right now, if the season is to start in early October, 50% capacity. So at Prospera Place, just over 6,000 fans allowed in the building. That is a sellout. If you can get 3,000 fans in that building to watch a game and everybody must be vaccinated, that's probably about the best situation you can have early at this point because uh, it's been a mess. It looks like we're going sideways. I just hopefully we can work our way out of this. But I, I don't have the answer to how we can, but get vaccinated is probably the best start. I agree. One thing we don't have to deal with here in the Eastern Conference is the U.S.-Canada border. I imagine there there must be, the schedule is out now, but there must be a schedule 2.0 just in case that border uh, gets to be even more problematic. Potentially, you guys could play a lot of games just inside your division again this year. Yeah, exactly. It could be almost exactly what we saw during the abbreviated season, right? I mean, we wouldn't play bubble hockey, but yeah, you're going to see a lot of the BC division. I do like the schedule. Uh, if you want to call it the original schedule that came out, though, even any games, at least from a Rocket perspective, games that we play in the U.S., we're at least making two stops. So once we're down there, you know, it's not, not one and done. What you've seen from the Rockets, at least, over the last couple of years is you'd go down to Seattle, play the game, come back to Canada. Oh. Go down to Everett, come back to Canada. What we see now, at least during this schedule uh, that's, that was just released, is we're going to go down for, for two, for a doubleheader. And so uh, that, that's great news. We would go down every once in a while and play, let's say, Portland. We'd have a doubleheader with Portland, but usually it was one and back. And so we're going to go like Seattle, Everett, or let's say you go Tri-City, Spokane, which makes economical sense. I think if you, And especially with the border, if it takes you so long to get down there or across, yeah. uh, I'm not sure exactly all the protocols one would have to, you know, all the testing that one would have to go through, but it could be a laborious and it could be really long for you to get over the border just to play a hockey game. So if it takes a long period of time to do all the testing to make sure that everybody's okay, at least we're, uh, we're playing two games down there. So uh, to me, the schedule makes a lot of sense. But again, yeah, you look at 2.0, schedule 2.0, that could be changed to where we're playing in the BC division and potentially playing some teams in Alberta. Who who knows what the what the other schedule really looks like? Yeah, who knows? All right. Uh, well, let's hope that we have uh, somewhat of a normal season, as close to a normal season as possible. And there's playoffs. We haven't had that for two years. Uh, you guys in Kelowna know very well what happened two years ago. That said, assuming there is, knock on wood, is this a, a playoff team in Kelowna? 
I think it is, Guy. I do, but I think there's really two tiers uh, in the in the BC division. Kamloops is clearly the best team in the division, if not the conference. I mean, they only lost four times during the abbreviated season, and they're going to be young, but their young guys are good, and we, we've we've seen that. I mean, that's a given. If you look at the Rockets, they got young guys, but yet again, we don't know if they're at that elite level, like let's say the Blazers would be. Mm-hmm. I see Kamloops and Prince George sort of in a tier of their own, and then Kelowna, Victoria, and Vancouver kind of fighting it, uh, you know, for the second tier, if you want to put it that way. So are the Rockets, are they a playoff team? Uh, yes, indeed they are. But to win games against Kamloops and Prince George are going to be extremely tough this year. Well, let's hope we have a fun season because uh, on the ice it should be some good hockey uh, once again, Regan, as always, really appreciate your time. Thanks for taking uh, a few minutes for the Pipeline Show, and uh, stay safe. Absolutely. You too, my friend. We won't see you uh, this season, yeah. but hopefully we'll see you uh, in the not-so-distant future. Regan Bartell, voice of those Kelowna Rockets. Could be a fun year to watch the Rockets. I, who's going to lead that team in scoring? Is it going to be uh, Pavel Novak, or is it going to be uh, Mark Lewiski, potentially? Or is it going to be a really motivated Trevor Wong? You know, I kind of think it's going to be Wong. Uh, but they've got some offensive punch. Uh, the question is, to me is what they do in net. And uh, that's that could be a, a big difference between, you know, being at the higher end of the division and uh, being on the playoff bubble. Uh, for me, that's my opinion. Let me know what you think at TPS underscore Gee. Where do you think the Rockets finish up? You can vote in the weekly poll there as well. Want to see your one through five predicted finish in the standings. Uh, Since that conversation with Regan, the news about the WHL changing the schedule in the first month uh, so that the BC and the U.S. division teams do not play each other uh, because of the border crossing. Hopefully that's not a a long-term situation and uh, we uh, get that worked out or not we, but the governments get that worked out. Obviously it it will be in the end, it'll be uh, COVID that decides that. But I would hate to see those five teams just play amongst themselves for an entire 68-game season. That would be that'd be tough. That would be a long haul. All right, next stop in the tour of the BC Division is all the way up north to Prince George as the uh, Cougars. This could be a good year for the Cougars. Let's find out why as we bring in Fraser Rogers, the play caller of those Prince George Cougars. He's on the Pipeline Show next. Brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. We need this win, you know. We got a lot of losses. To yeah, we got a lot of losses. That's what we're here for, guys, to win. Hey, this is Dave Hansen of the Hansen Brothers from the movie Slapshot. I'm ready to put on a foil but not drink any of that stinking root beer as I sit down and listen to the Pipeline Show with my good buddy, E. Just a little bit south of Saskatoon. Take my guitar for board and room. Hockey Sticks and Honky Tonk is back with Canadian superstars Jade Eagleson and Jess Mosker. Don't miss all your boot-stopping favorites with a rock and tailgate party and drive-in concert. October 9th at Western Star Trucks North in Atchison. Hockey Sticks and Honky Tonk, presented by GS Construction and Next Gen Transportation. A live concert in support of local charities. Tickets are sold by the carload and start at $30 per person. Get yours at tickets.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. 
All right, we're back on the Pipeline Show. We did uh, Kelowna in the last segment. In this uh, this segment, we're going up to Prince George. We'll talk about the Cougars here in a second. The uh, Pipeline Show brought to you by our title sponsor. That is Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best beef jerky in Alberta. And uh, you don't have to be in Alberta to get it. You can get in touch with either location in Spruce Grove or Leduc, and they'll ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada, including Prince George, where my next guest is located. That would be the voice of the uh, Cougars, Fraser Rogers, welcome back to the program, uh, Fraser. How are things up in PG? I'm doing well, just getting geared up for the season. It's uh, you know been a long way to have this traditional, proper 68 game season. And, you know, it's been on the horizon for a while, so I'm excited, looking forward to it. You know, it's been kind of a quiet summer, so looking forward to things ramping up. Yeah, excited to get back into the ranking camp. Opens up there. Uh, this uh, th- uh, later on this week, as uh, we're talking right now, it's Monday night. But by the time this uh, hits most people uh, on iTunes and Spotify and stuff, it'll be Friday. So camp will have just opened uh, up there. But I imagine is is there a bit of a buzz still growing for the coming season, uh, or is it maybe a little tempered this year because of what we've all gone through here in the last uh, eighteen months? Yeah, that's a great question. No, I think there's a lot of excitement. I think. This year, there's a lot of, you know, internal expectations with this roster. We saw yeah. some good growth out of the hub season that was based in Kamloops and, and Kelowna, the, the Cougars staying in Kamloops in, uh, last spring for that 22-game season. We saw a lot of young players on that roster get a lot of opportunity to be, you know, a good learning experience and try to bring that into the next full season. And uh, here we are, you know, on the eve of the training camp uh, for the Cougars and uh, a lot of expectations. They haven't been in the playoffs since you know the spring of 2017, and um, that fizzled out, as we all know, in the first round against the Portland Winterhawks after winning the BC Division. And the team was very public with the direction uh, the team was going to go from management down. They said this was going to be a proper, you know, to the foundation rebuild to draft properly, get this thing on track, and build a team that's not going to be a one and done. It's going to be a team that's going to have a good window for several years and. That's taken several years to get there since I arrived on the scene working for the team. But here we are, you know, knocking on the door to be a playoff team. I think that's the minimum expectation I would say this year is get into the playoffs, get that experience for this core. And then hopefully next year is even a bigger year in that 2022-23 season. So I mean, there's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of excitement. I'm not going to put the cart before the horse and say, <laughs> declare this team you know a front runner by any means i don't think they're quite there yet but i think it's just internal optimism internal excitement that this team finally is on that cusp of making that push and getting into that window that we've seen the Edmonton oil kings for example kind of be in uh, and in years past the portland winterhawks so i think they're looking to you know copy that formula and hopefully they're you know on the horizon here for uh, something that could springboard into a good several years ahead all right, well, let's look ahead to this coming season by looking backwards for a second. The guys who aren't coming back uh, to the team this year from the shortened season, that would be Elijah Kalina up front as well as uh, who Jack Sander on the back end. Outside of that, are there any or many uh, non-returning players from what we saw with the team in the spring? Yeah, you mentioned those two guys, you know, aging out uh, Kalina and Sander, Jack Sander being the captain and a four-year guy for the team, a great kid on and off the ice and just a really good person to have grown with in the organization. He came into the team, you know, when I came into the team, so a great young man. And I know he's close to announcing uh, his post-secondary commitment. So I look forward to hearing that soon for him, but uh, other players, there's been some roster, um, I would say fine shaving or 
kind of trimming off some pieces for Mark Lana, GM and head coach. He's had a gluttony of 0-1 players on the yeah. roster. We know that. So a couple moves there with Ethan Brown and Brendan Boyle, two forwards that were released earlier this summer, and an 0-2 forward in Gavin Griffin. And, we, yeah, the 0-1 group, was, it was a large group for this team. Um, they've got a lot of that 0-1 core from the 2017-2018 trade deadlines when they're trading pieces and then trading off pieces to get uh, younger assets to you know get rid of their older assets, but ne- then at its big core. So yes, there was moves there this summer to kind of get that number down to a manageable number heading into training camp. Now there's still five ones on the roster here heading into camp this week, and that's going to be a real interesting battle with how that shakes down. As you know, and your listeners know that you know in the WHL, three spots for the overagers. So two players out of that five won't be on the roster uh, at minimum here for Mark Lamb. And Mark's been a very patient general manager and head coach. He preaches, you know, patience. And one thing Mark has always said to me that really sticks out. And he says, I don't make roster decisions. The players do. <laughs> he always talks about how it always plays itself out. And uh, we'll see how it comes in training camp and into the early stages of the exhibition season. But uh, yeah, there, there's already been some moves with, Ethan Brown, as I mentioned, he's going to Junior A in Alberta. Uh, Brendan Boyle, I believe, is going the Junior A route down in the BCHL. I'm not sure what Davin Griffin's plans were going back to Saskatchewan, but I know he had some Junior A options as well. All right, well, one of those 20-year-olds of the five that are coming to camp uh, happens to be a net, and Taylor Goche has been a fixture on this team for, man, it seems like he's been around forever. This uh, <laughs> he's, he's got a battle, though. Tyler Brennan, really capable goaltender, draft eligible this year. I know the scouts will be wanting to see him play as much as possible. And then there's Ty Young coming in, who's an eighth-round pick uh, of the uh, the Cougars as well. At least I believe he's still uh, in the mix. Uh, what does the goaltending picture look like uh, from your perspective? Yeah, it's a real good problem to have, I would yeah. say. You have two number ones on paper right now. It's something I think Mark Lamb is happy about. I know it's going to be a bit of a, a topic of conversation amongst the media in the WHO, uh, and especially out west here in, in the BC division about the goaltending uh, position going into this season for the Cougars. But for the first time in many years, it's not a negative. It's a positive when it looks at the, the spotlight of the goaltending. And uh, you talk about Taylor Goche, start with him. He you know, had a phenomenal hub season, um, had some great numbers. He was back-to-back goaltenders of the week in the Western Hockey League at one point. And I thought it took him a few games to get back into the rhythm. But really, after his fourth, fifth start in that hub, he really took off when Tyler Brennan left for the World Under-18 Hockey Championships down in the Texas-Dallas uh, area when he went for Team Canada on the route to that gold medal. So Goche then got the reins as the undisputed number one in the hub, and he really took off. And I thought, you know, outside of Dylan Garand with Kamloops, you could argue Goche is the best goaltender in that hub. And, and Garand in his own right was fantastic for the Kamloops Blazers. And you talk about Tyler Brennan. He only played six games in the hub, but man, were those impressive. Had his first career shutout in a one nothing shootout loss where he made 43 saves against Vancouver in a game that he single-handedly got his team an overtime point. And I thought that game was kind of the turning point in his young career, showing that he can be a legit number one in this league. And you just mentioned it's also a big year for him. It's his draft-eligible year. Uh, it's exciting to, to see know what he can do and uh, I look forward to really seeing him this year as a late 03 have an opportunity to be 
one of the top goaltending prospects, not just in the Western Hockey League, yep. but in that North America Central Scouting list. He's they love him. I know a lot of scouts have given him a lot of praise. There's been a lot of publications that have talked to him, like yourself. You guys talked to him about him on the horizon uh, for a few years as well. And this is going to be interesting because you have an undisputed number one already in Taylor Goche, and then you have the you know next one the heir apparent and tyler brennan and both are fantastic players they're fantastic kids off the ice and it's very unique they're dynamic they're great friends <laughs> they have a great relationship and sometimes you think that could be contentious when you're trying to you know compete with one another for ice time and in, in that crease battle but i was watching them in the hub and it's not phony it's authentic their relationship you know taylor gochi is very uh, colorful. He's a, he's a great personality. He's outgoing. Uh, you know, he jokes a lot. He, he's a different kind of goalie. And then you see Tyler Brennan, he's very calculated. He's quieter. He's more reserved, but also has this uh, underrated dry sense of humor, but kind of different personalities, but they, they mesh well. And um, yeah, Mark Lamb will have an interesting, you know, predicament on his hands with these two goal tenders this year. And you also mentioned Ty Young, who had a couple of games in the hub and someone that the team's really high on as well with his um, just pure athleticism and his size and, and his potential as well. So the goaltending position, I think will be one of the biggest talking points for the Prince George Cougars going forward. I don't know where it's going to go, but no matter where it ends up, they're going to be in great hands with arguably one of the best goalies in the WHL, whoever is going to be the number one this year. Yep, definitely a strength for the Cougars heading into the season. Uh, what about the blue line? It, it, from the outside looking in, it looks like an interesting mix of some veteran presence, Majid Kadura and Aiden Reeves and Ethan Sampson. And then you got some younger guys, but highly touted <laughs> younger guys, Keaton Dohaniak and Jared Brinson and Hudson Thornton, guys who dipped their toe into the league last year and probably used that shortened season to really get themselves prepared for this year. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. I think it's a good mix. You talk about the veteran presence. It's funny, Ethan Sampson, you know, being an 03 birth year, now he's a veteran. And it shows you how young, but yet dynamic this blue line's going to be. I think. You talk about the promise of Keaton Dalhannock, who I thought had a really good hub season, really relished a shutdown role. He was actually paired quite a bit with Majid Kadura during that hub in the shutdown role, and also with Jack Sanders. So two veteran guys as a 16-year-old that was playing top pairing minutes against some of the best players, penalty killing, you know, six on five late in games, defending the, you know, the six on five, and the other team had the net pulled, or the goalie pulled for the extra attacker he was one of the defensemen out there defending that lead. And I thought he really had a solid hub season. You know, his numbers might don't jump out of the offensively, but the defensive side was really something that Mark Lamb and Jason Smith, the associate coach at the time, were raving about him. And then you talk about some, you know, veteran presence, but Jake Kadura, one of those 20-year-old spots, you know, vying for a for position 13 years, year. He could be a hot. nice veteran piece in the blue line if he stays and be a good guy and a good role model for these younger players. And, you talk about the younger players. There's a lot of talent on this blue line that I get really excited about. You know, Hudson Thornton, unfortunately, only got to play six games with his USHL transfer uh, midseason, but he's a guy that works so hard in practice and he works so hard in the game. He's always exhausted when he comes off the ice. He, just, he leaves it all out there. And I love watching him play. And I think he's going to be a massive presence in this top four for the Cougars. You talk about Ethan Sampson, you know, goes without saying his summer drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers mm-hmm. had a really good development camp that just wrapped up in Philadelphia just a week ago. They raved about him. I know Jason Smith now with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, the Flyers affiliate in the AHL. He was there 
at their development camp, and he was telling Mark Lamb that uh, Ethan Sampson was one of the standout players in that camp. And I think he'll just take another step in his progression. And you talk about some younger guys too. Uh, you know, Jaron Brinson, as a 16-year-old, had that experience in the hub. I think he'll have a massive step forward as a guy can be a two-way offensive threat, much like Dalhaniak and Hudson Thornton you talked about. And there's another guy or two that's coming to camp. We'll see that some younger guys, that 05 group that can push for a spot as well. One name that comes to mind for me was recently drafted, Bauer Dumanski, you know, out of Saskatchewan, played with the contacts uh, under 18 team last year before the COVID season shut down the uh, minor hockey cross Western Canada. But he's coming off an injury as well, but someone that uh, the team's really high on and could be a guy that could turn heads at camp as well. So I think the blue line is one of the most exciting positions for this team when it just comes to some pure talent they've assembled here in, in this nice core of both three and oh four players and i think it could be a real strength for this team going forward especially helping with the offense i think they're gonna see a lot of offense from the blue line this year fraser rogers voice of the cougars my guest here on the pipeline show for whatever reason starting some sort of a maybe it's i'm just a giant nerd or something but before the import draft comes around i'm always looking at the leagues over in europe you know using hockey db or or elite prospects and trying to think, all right, well, here's a 17 year old that's putting up a lot of points. He seems kind of interesting. I wonder if someone will take him. And then someone takes like it. Reichel put up <laughs> massive numbers in Switzerland last year, 75 points in 43 games. Uh, and uh, tell me, I, I, I believe he is signed and, and coming to camp, isn't he for PG? Yeah, he is. Uh, and he's someone I think the team's really interested in seeing, you know, in the flesh. Um, you know, Mark Lamb, the import draft, as you know, you've been around for so long, can be, you know, a bit of a crapshoot with, with players and getting information from agents and in and, and teams and your contacts. Mark has a really interesting network of agents that he really leans on that uh, have a really good European connections and a lot of these agents that have a European clients and there's connection there with Like It. And, you know, he was someone that was eligible for the draft and was on some draft lists. Uh, throughout last season, as you mentioned, the 75 points in the Swiss Junior League. And it is a bit of a crapshoot when you look at numbers because some leagues translate better than others when they come over to the WHL. So you don't really know until they're here. But one thing that I know Mark and the staff were being told over and over again is this kid can score. This kid's got great vision. He's a good playmaker. He also can score a lot. He wants to win. He's ultra competitive. And He's a player that they said would never hurt you if you if you draft him. He's going to be someone that's going to be a solid player that can play anywhere in your top nine. So I think what we're really looking at and what Mark Lamb was looking at with this player is not just a top nine, but a legit top six. And I think he's someone that they've penciled in to a really good presence on the wing, either on the first or second line with a younger forward like a Zemer, you know, going forward or O'Reilly Height uh, to play with. And he's someone I'm intrigued to see. Um, what he brings when he gets here uh, later this week, he gets into training camps, got some decent size with them and a good international track record as well for Switzerland. So he, he's played international hockey, has that pedigree. And then the defenseman, Kemic, uh, Joseph Willem Kemic, they got from Slovakia, is someone mm-hmm. that they just wanted a, a more defensive-minded, physical, kind of shut-down uh, role type that can you know lean on the other team's forwards, make his own goaltender's life a little easier, and by all accounts, he plays that physical brand despite, you know, being a young kid in, in Slovakia where maybe, you know, European hockey isn't as physical as North American hockey, but all the reports that the team got with him was this kid likes to mix it up and get his nose dirty and, and play on that edge. And that's what Mark was looking for, a right-handed defenseman with that size. So I think both import guys on paper right now are penciled in to be 
immediate impact guys and guys that you know will play in the lineup. Well, that's a bonus if you can get your import guys to come over and be it, not just imports but important uh, players in your lineup. Uh, that's yeah, head of the game there. Who else up front is going to be counted on to uh, help bring that offense up front? You mentioned offense from the blue line, but you got to count on your forwards too. Uh, who are those guys? Yeah, I think the first time in several years there's legit offensive threat with this team. It's the biggest storyline with the Cougars in the last several seasons has been their lack of scoring. You know, working hard, disciplined, well structured, but just couldn't score. And you look at the standings, and the stats don't lie. The last mm-hmm. several years, near the bottom three teams in goals for per game. So that was something that needed to be addressed. And it's it has been internally, and we talk about some players, well, Cohen Zemer, he's the reigning BC Division Rookie of the Year from that hub season. You know, he scored nine goals in there to lead the rookies. Um, but what for him I thought was really impressive was just not just the scoring, but every shift Zemer was on the ice as a 16-year-old, he was a threat. Uh, going against other team's top players, too. It wasn't like he was getting soft minutes against deep lineups he was just getting matched up against other team's top players and he was excelling and creating chances and I, what i love about zimmer which the cougars haven't had in several seasons in my opinion is a guy who wants to have the puck and shoot the puck you know we missed that with josh Mazer being graduated and that's something that's definitely been filled by cohen zimmer i think as a rookie this year or as his first full season i should say could be a really impact guy in the top six who can play center who can play wing has great hands and he's, he's a thick farm kid. He has that thick farm strength. When you look at him, he's just a kid that it's hard to get off the puck. He goes to the dirty areas and he's someone that I think will be leaned on heavily. And you you talk about Riley height before and a very dynamic talent, you know, really good play, a creative playmaker, a two way type of guy who can either shoot or like to pass. And I think the Cougar is going forward in his 16 year old season, want him to shoot more because when he did, man, he had a great shot. His first goal, and the Western Hockey League was a highlight real goal against the uh, Victoria Royals in the hub. Just picked the corner short side off the rush as a 15-year-old. That's some good pedigree right there. So, you know, you talk about those, those two guys, you know, being real dynamic presences up front. And, and the younger guys as well, they're going to lead the offense. And the list goes on and on, too. There's going to be several players that you know, are going to be counted on to be goal scorers. A Johnny Hooker, who, you know, is in the mix as one of those 20-year-old spots as an 0-1 who came over from Brandon two seasons ago. A shoot-first type of guy as well. And I think they hope he can be a dynamic presence on the blue, on the power play, I should say, uh, as a, as a shoot-first uh, option for the Cougars as well um, up front. And then possibly some younger guys like Kyron Gronick taking that next step. He's a really uh, interesting forward for the Cougars, I thought, he was dark horse, maybe one of the best prospects the Cougars had uh, when he was drafted for where he was drafted in the second round. He looks to be a first-round talent based on what we saw during the hub season. So it's a bit of a mix of some older guys, but also the younger core, that 0-4, core up front that's going to help lead the way, which is impressive. You usually don't rely on your young guys. It's usually older guys to carry the mail, but I think for the Cougars this year, their young players are going to be those foundation pieces uh, going forward. Uh, one other change uh, on the bench or actually kind of behind the bench is uh, Chico. He's gone. He's off to the American Hockey League and that's a bit going to be a, a different look behind the bench and a, a big change for the organization. Yeah, like what a, you know, what a member of the organization for 13 years. He was such a, a figurehead figuratively and literally for the team. Like he was one of the most recognizable WHL personalities and, and, and people. Uh, everybody knew who he was. He was 
literally a first name basis across the league. Chico, that was it. Everybody knew him. And yeah. It was 13 seasons and he was so popular with the players, uh, not just on his team, but other players around the league that maybe he worked with during the Canada-Russia series or with Team Canada events. It's so funny to see him on the road going to rinks and basically he's just like a celebrity <laughs> when he goes to the rinks and it's maybe the Zamboni driver, the equipment guys, the operations, everybody knows him and like he just has this huge personality in such a good way and this energy around him that's really infectious and uh, he'll definitely be missed. He was such a good conduit between the coaching staff and the players as well. As you know, equipment guys are not just equipment guys. They're sometimes counselors. They're sometimes, you know, people to listen to for, you know, there's teenage boys you're dealing with for nine months. Yeah. You know, and they have, you know, their own life outside of hockey. And I think he's a guy that really, and he talked about it when he left here, the one thing he really prided himself on in Prince George in his own words was he wanted to create a safe environment for these young men and have an environment of acceptance and comfortable, uh, comfortability and just being themselves and being somewhere that they're not uncomfortable being. And he really prided on creating a really good atmosphere and culture in the dressing room. And that's, I think his legacy in Prince George is just that standard he would set. And, you know, he was like a big brother or a dad to some of these guys. You have to put him in line sometimes. He also was that shoulder, you know, to cry on or lean on when yeah. times are tough for these teenagers as well. So he was a great personality and a great co-worker and uh the abbots or canucks are getting an absolute gem of a person and he's more than deserving to finally move on to the pro ranks and uh we wish him all the best uh, i don't think fans understand you know the players come and go they i mean they're four years five years at the most and then they're gone coaches come and go but it's those guys behind the bench the equipment managers and the athletic therapists for a lot of times they're the guys who are really the foundation of the of the organization quite often I would totally agree. I would say the yeah, the ETs, the athletic therapists and equipment guys are probably the backbone in junior hockey yeah. outside of, you know, the bill of parents and the bus driver that, you know, people don't talk about enough as well. But I think those ATs and those equipment guys really are unsung heroes and women, I should say as well in our profession, they're, they're unsung heroes. They, they deal with so much and their job title is not just their job title. It goes beyond the job title, what they do. And uh, they literally make teams run. So yeah, hats off to the men and women and in, 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 behind the scenes as equipment managers and uh, athletic therapists. Well, you mentioned at the start that this uh, making the playoffs isn't just enough uh, anymore in PG. And it looks like you got the young talent to, to not only make the playoffs, but make some noise. Uh, I just mentioned uh, Regan Bartel joined me in the previous segment. He says he, from his vantage point, the BC division is Kamloops and Prince George. And then, a gap to the other three teams. Do you see it that way? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, you know, I Kamloops for me is clear cut going to be. I think the team to beat. I know you talked about other guys been on the show that said the same thing, and I think just what they have for sure is a very dynamic team and very similar to Prince George with a young core, but some good veteran pieces. I think Kamloops, you know, unfortunately maybe was robbed of a really good playoff run a season ago if there was a full season not just a hub but yeah. that team you know with Connor Zary and Oren Santazo as well up front with that younger dynamic group you know led by Logan Stakeover that could have been a real lethal team so I would say they're up there and in Vancouver one, one of the teams for me is kind of a an interesting puzzle uh, a team that's still loaded with talent and you know had a really good you know European import draft a season ago Fabian Lysel the guy that they're hoping we'll sign the Boston Bruins draft. They can be a massive piece up front. Um, 
you know, it'll be interesting to see what Vancouver can do because they still have a really dangerous top six, in my opinion, and a good pieces on the blue line. And, you know, if the goaltending solidifies itself, maybe their European import draft pick signs, I think they can be a, a real dangerous team still. And I think it's, it's wide open, though. After Kamloops, to me, is number one, I honestly think it's a little wide open for spots two and three, at least uh, in the division. I think there's, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, Kelowna, Vancouver and Prince George kind of playing snakes and ladders a little bit throughout the season on who's going to get that two spot, who's going to you know, get the three spot. And, you know, Victoria is a team that I think is kind of going through a transition that Prince George did back in 2017-18. I think that's where Victoria is right now in their cycle, but that's on paper. Who knows? <laughs> they could be a team that surprises you. But, you know, I, I would say my, my safe bet would be Kamloops to be a team gunning for that division title this year for sure. For the fans who uh, want to buy tickets and come watch the Cougars in person, what should they expect this year? What sort of uh, um, protocols are in place at this point? And I know right now everything's kind of got an asterisk on it, but what's the situation currently? Yeah, that's a great point. It's it's fluid. It's a moving uh, target, moving regulations, as you mentioned. Everything has an asterisk on it. But I think you're going to see pretty much close to, I hate to use the word normal, it's been so overused. during the pandemic over the last 18 to 20 months, but going back to a normal scenario outside of, you know, the mask mandate that's in the province of British Columbia province wide. So there will be a mask mandate, you know, at Cougar games and the vaccine passport, as you know, in BC kicks in on September the 13th, a week from tonight. But outside that, it can be, you know, not something too drastic uh, when it comes to COVID protocols, you know, be sanitizing stations for, you know, hand washing and, encouraging of social distancing and capacity will be one thing I guess you'll notice uh, throughout BC is the 50% rule. So you 50% of your capacity, which would be 2,900 seats in Prince George would be the, the tickets being capped at to start at least in October. So okay. outside of that, I don't think you see anything too drastic. I think it's be close to, you know, pre pandemic in the sense of just the atmosphere and what you see in the seats, but obviously the mask will be prevalent uh, in BC for the time being. But outside of that, I think, no fans will just be eager to get back in and reconnect with one another and see some hockey and have a good time. And it's been so long. And I think, you know, we all took certain things for granted. Maybe sports entertainment was something that a lot of people took for granted before. And I hope now people come back and really embrace seeing hockey in person again. Well, it should be a fun team to watch this year as well up in Prince George. And that's been a few years really, since you can say that it's been, you know, a team that's about to make some noise and that's good. I think for everybody, perfect timing. Uh, Fraser, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I, I, let's knock on wood and hope we have close to a normal season this year because it should be a fun one. It should be, and I can't wait to get back in the rink and uh, see everyone again and hopefully see the fans here as well. It's going to be great to see everybody come October. Thanks for having me. That was broadcaster Fraser Rogers calls the games for the Prince George Cougars, and for me, you know, I didn't know what to expect uh, for this the, this team coming into this year because a lot of their top talent is is very young. It's very good, but it is very young. Uh, that backbone, though, with the uh, double goaltending, both Taylor Goche, the veteran, and Tyler Brennan, the draft-eligible player, highly regarded at the junior hockey level. Brennan might be the top goaltender in North America. Wonder if both will be there the entire season, or if that's something that Prince George can do to better themselves elsewhere. Ethan Sampson on the back end, drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers. So, those of you who know I'm a Flyers guy, 
that one caught my attention because I didn't know anything about Samson. Again, last year not being able to see all of these teams in person, so he was completely off my radar. Ended up being a six-round pick of the Flyers. And then that young offensive punch that they have up front, Cohen Zemer, Riley Height, Kyron Gronick, Craig Armstrong isn't old. I'm going to put my Captain Obvious hat on, but if this team gets off to a good start and those young players get confidence, this could be a team that really turns the corner this year. And it's been a while since uh, I, I think we can say that about the Prince George Cougars. I hope it happens. All right, all aboard. Next stop on the BC Division is the next closest stop for uh, Prince George uh, Cougars fans. If they want to catch a road game, it's still a long ways away. But Kamloops, the home of the Blazers. And that means John Keane is next up here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in Alberta. John Keane up next. Broken up and then taken by Prop. Threw into the zone. He's on a breakaway. Look out. Short-handed. Score! Three short-handed goals and a hat trick for Brian Prop. Holy cow. Welcome to Flyers Hockey on this Sunday. Hi, this is Brian Prop, former Braden Wheat King, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Fine ham abounds, Mom. Let's continue on getting to know some of the uh, WHL rosters as the uh, camps get going here this week. The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in Alberta. Our next stop on the tour through the BC Division is Kamloops, and that means the voice of the Blazers is on the Pipeline Show again. That's John Keane. Keener, welcome back to the program. How are things in Kamloops? Hey, great, Guy. Yeah, we had you on our uh, radio show here a few weeks ago, and we said that we would uh, look to return the favor. So yeah. here we are in the, uh, the month of September, and we're ready to roll. And camp's opening up uh, in the BC Division. I, I, I've talked to Prince George and, and Kelowna already. Interesting that things are starting a week later in BC than it is in, I think, for everybody else in the league. Uh, any reason for that, do you think? I don't think so. I, I just think there's more of an appetite uh, you know, it really is a long, drawn-out process. I, this is my 19th or 20th WHL training camp, and it seems like you, you're in a hurry to hurry up and wait, right? You, you yeah. get to the, the camp, camp gets over, and then you have to wait a while for preseason games, and preseason seems to take forever, and then you drop the puck usually third week in September, uh, and you go. So I just think there was maybe a, an overwhelming thought, to, okay, let's not bring everybody in so early. You know, let's just kind of, you know, take focus here of what's important. And I think that's probably why a lot of teams have, have moved back camp a little bit. All right, makes sense. All right, the, uh, the, the guys who aren't back from last year's roster before we get into this year's team, a quick mention for Brody Stewart, Norrin Santazzo, uh, up front, uh, Sean Strange on the back end, as well as Montana Onyabuchi. Uh, all of those guys aging out. And then, of course, uh, Connor Zeri, uh, who is uh, signed, sealed, and delivered for the Calgary Flames. He won't be back either. Is there anybody else who was uh, involved in the shortened, abbreviated season this past spring who's not coming back this year for Kamloops? Yeah, I'm hearing word that uh, Ford Peyton McKenzie uh, won't be returning. And uh, he was a guy that the Blazers brought in uh, for a seventh-round pick in Moose Jaw last year. A smaller forward who uh, there was some uh, 
I guess some some um, family familiarity with with uh, Blazer GM Matt Bardsley at the time with the McKenzies. He he had Skyler McKenzie in Portland. Uh, they bring in Peyton. It would have been his 19 year old season. Uh, not sure uh, what he's up to. I'm just told he won't be in camp. He played 13 games uh, in the shortened season last year, picking up four assists. So he was a guy that probably would have been a, a depth player this season, a bottom six role, uh, and you know maybe that spurred his decision. Okay. Any change with the import uh, players? Well, uh, right now, uh, Victor Pershon is set to come in, the Vancouver Canucks uh, seventh-round pick from a couple of drafts ago. Uh, he's the rare 20-year-old Euro 2-spotter mm. uh, that'll come in, but the Blazers have high hopes uh, for uh, Victor Pershon. We're already dubbing him the Swedish missile. He has some unbelievable <laughs> goals on YouTube that he's been able to generate from the blue line. Uh, so he, he could be a really exciting player. Again, haven't seen him, so you don't know quite what you have until they're here. Uh, the other player they were hoping to have come in is Roman Makarov, uh, a Russian they took. Now, all the word going in was that the Russians might be difficult to get over this year uh, because of what, what, what helped Canada has with their vaccine mandates, uh, only recognizing certain vaccines, which usually aren't offered in Russia. So last I heard, uh, they were still waiting on Roman Makarov, but I think uh, some of that hope was starting to wane uh, as we were getting into training camp. Uh, it might be a situation where they don't get him this year at all, uh, and then maybe look to, to fill an import spot here down the road. But he was a big 17-year-old uh, Russian that looked good on, on video and on film, and you know, it's disappointing that they, they might not get him this year. All right. Well, hopefully that'll work out and that both of those guys will show up. Uh, that would be good. Uh, now, the Blazers have been the best team in the division for the last few years uh, and look like, again, they'll be challenging for the top, if not the clear-cut favorites uh, going in. And a lot of that, well, there's a lot of depth in each position, and we'll start in goal. Dylan Grand coming back, and uh, he's going to be one of the top goaltenders not just in the, the division or the conference, but in the WHL. Tell me about Garand uh, coming in. To what, will this be his third season with the Blazers? Well, it's funny, actually. You know, he won as a 15-year-old wow. uh, with this team. Uh, they brought him in, gave him a start at 15 already. And it's basically the 16-year-old season, late in the year, had taken over uh, the starting position. If you, if you remember back to that magical run, it seems like a decade ago of what we all been through, but where the Blazers basically had to have seven or eight different things go their way to catch Kelowna just to get them into a tiebreaker scenario. If it was a betting parlay, the odds would have been, uh, I figured the odds were probably about a 99.5% chance they were going to miss the playoffs that year, uh, given to where they were in the standings. They found a way to get themselves into a tiebreaker game and beat Kelowna and advance into uh, round uh, one of the playoffs. And really, at that moment, Dylan Garand became a starter at 16 after an injury to Dylan Ferguson. So really, you're looking at it, this is a parts of five years already wow. uh, for Dylan Garand as he gets set for his 19-year-old season. It's crazy. Amazing. And this is a guy who he could be pretty busy at Christmas time as well. I think he'd be in the running for, for uh, Team Canada at the World Junior Championship here in Edmonton. But that, that stability, it's, I mean, he's the backbone. It's kind of cliche to say that about a goalie, but... You know, this is this is a guy that gives Kamloops a chance to win every night. He does, and I think they're also starting to to think that uh, they have to think about life after Dylan Grant. You know, for Dylan, he he's already played games in the American Hockey League level. He's ready for the next step. But I think what's motivating to come back is the potential that this is going to be a good team and that he can be part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, he still, um, you know, I golfed with him last week, and he still has a lot of desire to play in the WHL. Wants to be here, although he is you know, ready for that taste of pro hockey. There's no doubt. But Dylan Ernst is the backup goaltender now in his 17-year-old season. Dylan Ernst was the first goalie selected in the 2019 uh, Bantam draft. It came in the second round, 
27th overall. He's at a Weyburn. He just got a little bit of a taste last year of it, played four games, won three of them. Uh, but, but they have high hopes. He's a bigger goaltender. He, uh, uh, his height weight yeah the other day i heard he checked in at six foot two so he's growing an inch uh he's a bigger goalie maybe like that sebastian cosa sort of a a brand but he's still raw he still has you know some some raw ability that they're trying to maybe harness in and uh they definitely have a big plans for dylan Ernst for sure so look look for him to get into more games this year on the back end for the Blazers, interesting mix of, of veterans and, and youngsters and, and talented young, youngsters. You got Quinn Schmeeman, the, the veteran presence on the back end, Tampa Bay prospect. And then you got a guy like Mats Lindgren who comes in as a, a top 10 pick in the 2019 draft. You got another first rounder behind him and Caden Hamill. Uh, there's a, a lot of talent here. And on the roster, there's only five guys. So there's going to be competition in camp and, and some spots to be claimed. There could be, you know, I think you, you put up out a spot already for the 20-year-old Victor Pershon. Uh, you expect him to come in and be a top four defenseman as a 20-year-old and as a Vancouver Canucks draft pick, and I, I believe they have every faith that he's going to be uh, that player for them. So you, you have Schmeeman and, and Pershon, the two 20s, and then you look at uh, Ethan Brandwood and Matt Lindgren, and that likely narrows out your, your top four. Mm-hmm. Although you know, there's some players you mentioned there, including Caden Hamill, who is going to be 16 years old and a uh, first-round pick, and he had a great uh, season last year here. Really uh, very impressive, but the problem was he was stuck on forward most nights because the Blazers had a very deep blue line. Uh, they had 220s and 219s in their top four, and of course he had 16-year-old Mats Lindgren. He had a work Blazers are very deep. Caden Hamill never really got that opportunity. He'll get it this year. Uh, look for a guy like Logan Barros to uh, probably round that like Logan Barrels is getting love, love his attitude, uh, just like everything about this guy. And then there's going to be probably a battle for that seventh or eighth defenseman, uh, and that's where you probably look to see if a 16-year-old who impressed you from that draft class, your last, last draft class, to come in and, and maybe round out that, that blue line here for you. But definitely a, a lot of losses when you take out Montana, Luch, Sean Strange, and Inyaki Barragano, who would have been a 20-year-old uh, Swiss import defense and pro hockey. So yeah, there's, uh, there's some answers that'll be need answering. The offensive depth for this team, just even though you lose guys like Connor's area, there's others who just step up and fill that void. And of course you get Logan Stankoven for a full year this time. And uh, this, this team shouldn't um, skip a beat from what we've seen last year. Should they? Well, you hope so. It's, it's actually Blazers have, uh, you know, a really good situation up front. They could, they could, basically roll out their top nine forwards tomorrow and mm-hmm. play a game. Uh, they're, they're pretty much set uh, in their top nine role. You mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Logan Stankoven, who could have a really big year now at 18. He'll probably get a, a chance at the World Junior team at 18, uh, but it's usually really tough for those underagers to make it. So we'll watch for Logan Stankoven there. Josh Piller had a breakout season that saw him uh, drafted by the Minnesota Wild in the fourth round after not being drafted in his draft year. So he comes in as a 19-year-old who... You know, at 29 points in 22 games last year, Guy. So yeah. um, he's a really shifty player, and he's really come on. Uh, Caden Bank here, uh, another third-round pick of the Minnesota Wild coming in. They added Nick McCary, basically off waivers from the uh, Medicine at Tigers. They hope he can come in and complement the top nine. And, and what I really liked last year was the amount of 16-year-old forwards uh, this team had, and they really had some coming-out parties. Uh, the name that we're going to hear out of this organization for a few years is Fraser Minton. 
Um, he is a player that probably should have been named to that uh, Canadian uh, U-17 uh, selection camp, or at least the summer camp. He didn't get that opportunity. Uh, he's a smart, skilled, well-rounded forward that's going to be great for this team. Connor Levis put up nine goals, including a four-goal game against the Kelowna Rockets huh. last year. He's moving into his 17-year-old season. You know, these are some of the young forwards uh, that we're going to be seeing a lot of. And, you know, that developmental season really allowed teams to stack the deck with 16-year-olds. The Blazers took full advantage. They had six uh, last year, and, and these are all players that can play. It's going to be really exciting. I, I know uh, the Oil Kings had a lot of success last year, too, and the critics would say, well, it's because of the, the competition inside the division wasn't up to par. Do you hear a lot about that with Kamloops and the way they played last year as well because the BC division wasn't as strong as as in a lot of years that it is? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I think you, you always, you know, you take your success with a grain of salt. You know, they were 18-4, and four, but the Vancouver Giants uh, came in and were the uh, uh, oldest team and, and really looked to uh, stack the deck with 19-year-olds and, you know, strong goaltending, and they were a really good team. Uh, Kelowna uh, was right there as well, you know, Caden Korzak on the back end and, you know, some talent up front, but they were hit with COVID and, and lost, uh, you know, basically two weeks of their schedule. Uh, Prince George is a young and up-and-coming hockey team, and you're yeah. probably hearing a lot about them, uh, you know, when you go around the BC division. But they're, they're still, uh, for me, I want to see them transition to an attacking team. You know, when, when they played the Blazers, they were very much sort of, you know, a counterpunch team, right? If you want to be an elite team, you've got to be an attacking team. So I want to see if they can make that next step in their development because they have some really good young players. They have strong goaltending, and they were good last year. Uh, they may have had some some hiccups at times scoring goals, uh, but they'll be really good. The only maybe surprise was Victoria. Uh, I think a lot of people expected them to be better, but uh, their their bubbled roster uh, was missing some key players uh, from the year before. They ran into injury problems, but it was still nice to go 18-4. and four. I think the organization would say, but you take it a bit of grain of salt because you're not playing the Everett's or the Portland's of the world, and you're not really getting the full test maybe to where you're at. Uh, this year, uh, hopefully, knock on wood, we've got playoffs. Uh, I don't think anybody would expect that uh, Kamloops is anywhere except uh, in the playoffs and probably at the top of the BC division. But after missing out the last two years, this has got to be a pretty motivated group uh, to go on a long run and, and could very well be the uh, the Western Conference rep. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of unanswered questions. You know, I think if you ask the Blazers that they feel they have some, you know, they have a feeling of where are we at right now? So uh, let's see where we're at. Let's play 20, 30 games and see where we're at, see what kind of a team we are. What do we need? Uh, what would uh, some of the holes be? And, and, and if they feel they're in a position, uh, they want to be in a position to, you know, make those moves. But, you know, the, the one thing that's looming here, Guy, is 2023. So you have to be really careful about how you approach uh, this season. 2023, the uh, Memorial Cup comes back to the WHL. I know the Blazers would have interest. Kelowna likely would have interest after it was taken away uh, yeah. due to COVID. Uh, so you're looking at a situation where you don't maybe want to put all your eggs in one basket here this year because you want to have some firepower left for 2023. And I think this team would be at the peak of their cycle with their forwards with Logan Stankov and Caden Bank here, all being, you know, Matthew Semenoff being 19. Here's a guy we haven't even talked about. He's going to be an NHL draft pick this year. Matthew Semenoff, uh, look for him. So, yes, this team has the ability to be good this year, but it might be somewhat weighted with 2023 in mind. Interesting. Uh, just for the benefit of the fans and the other guys that I've uh, talked to uh, in Regan and Fraser, they both said, you know, kind of different uh, uh, situations in both their towns. In Kamloops, for the fans, coming to the rink, wanting to buy tickets, watch the Blazers in action, 
what what do they need to know about the protocols that are in place right now? And and let's be honest, everything's fluid and things can change quickly, uh, as we know. But uh, what's it like right now in Kamloops? Well, Interior Health is where the Blazers and the Kelowna Rockets reside in the province. And right now, Interior Health is the only jurisdiction that I know of in North America, Guy, that is unable to host fans indoors right now. Mm. Meaning, the exhibition schedule that the Blazers are about to start next week uh, likely won't see them playing a home game unless they decide to play uh, without fans. But obviously, they would probably like to recover some sort of revenue after not having fans in the building for uh, a lot of time there. Of course, none of last year. So uh, there is a, a feeling that the preseason schedule might get switched around. There might be some games moved uh, out of the city where you can host games, like Prince George, like Vancouver or the Lower Mainland, for example. So, so watch for that. Right now, we're hearing that fans might not be even allowed for the October 9th home opener, Guy. Mm. So that's a, a bit of a concern for sure, because you're in a situation where you need fans in your building. You have home openers. And with BC's vaccine passport, which was unveiled recently here, that looks like to take full effect October 24th. And the WHL uh, needs to uh, likely clarify the situation with interior health. Uh, it's just a really big sticking point right now, Guy. Again, uh, only Kamloops and Kelowna affected across the WHL, and we'll see how this plays out. But right now, it's 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 not looking too positive to host that home opener. I hope things change. Unfortunate. Wow. Uh, and one thing you're going to have to deal with this year that we don't here in the East is uh, the, the border with the states. Uh, that's got to be a concern moving forward too, no? Yeah, big time it is. You know, I, I think there's a contingency plan in place if – if you have to you know, get across the border, you can't even do that right now by bus. So that's a problem. And also there's a, uh, probably some concern over the cost of those PCR tests yeah. uh, to go across the border as well. That This is a big concern. So right now, what I would imagine is that U.S. teams can come up to B.C. and play the B.C. division. But right now, uh, unless things change and they open the border and they uh, give some sort of an exemption, uh, there'll be no BC Division travel to the U.S. Division until that is sorted out. Uh, when will that be sorted out? I'm not sure. I do know the Blazers play mid-October, a two-game set in Tri-City and Spokane. Let's just say I'm not rushing to find my passport. At this point. <laughs> well, let's hope that changes, man, because this is going to be a fun team to watch uh, this year in Kamloops, and uh, I-, I hope that we have somewhat close to a- as normal of a season as we can get because it's been a long time. Uh, John, I really appreciate your time. And uh, look forward to chatting with you again. I know uh, we don't we won't cross paths this year, but uh, looking forward to next season already. Yeah, that's too bad. Let's just hope we get back to normal. You know, this pandemic looks like it's going to affect you now three seasons when you look at it. And yeah. you know, if you would have told me that in March of 2019, I, I probably wouldn't have been very accepting of that. So it's been difficult, and I do appreciate your coverage all the time of uh, of the WHL Gee, and look forward to when we can be uh, in Edmonton here, going head to head once again. John Keane is the uh, longtime broadcast voice of the Kamloops Blazers. He's also the host of uh, WHL This Week, which is an invaluable resource. It's great for fans. It's really, really handy for uh, the broadcasters in the WHL. So everybody uses it for intermission uh, content uh, during their radio broadcasts. I know when you're on the road, and it's sometimes it's tough to get those uh, interviews done in a timely manner. Well, John's always got that stuff that's uh, relevant across the WHL for the uh, broadcasters to use. And uh, I know guys like Andrew Peard, Corey Graham, before that with the Oil Kings, they would use it all the time. And I'm sure most teams in the league, if not all teams in the league, do the same. 
Blazers are going to be a good team. No question about that. They've got great goaltending. They've got depth on the blue line. They've got uh, great scoring offensive players up front. The question of the week is uh, give me your one through five in the BC division. And I would be really surprised if Kamloops is not the best team in the division. Going into these interviews, I had Kamloops and then a gap between everybody else. I think it's tighter than that. I think it will be tighter than that. I do think Kamloops is the best team, but I think they'll be pushed a little bit. I'm guessing they'll be without Dylan Grand at uh, at Christmas time over the World Junior Championship. And so that means most of December, so about a month. I agree with John. I don't think Logan Stankoven makes that team this year. And if that's the case, then they'll have him when other teams uh, might be without some of their top players. And that's only going to be a greater advantage for Kamloops. So I, I think the Blazers are going to have a terrific season once again. They've been the best team in that division for a while now. Club who might have something to say about that first place uh, finish for Kamloops is the Vancouver Giants. Let's get to know that club coming into uh, this season. Dan O'Connor is the uh, radio man, calls the shots for those Vancouver Giants. He's on the Pipeline Show next, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. St. Croix just off the bench. He'll cut around a Royal along the side boards. Back for Sautner. Corbett wants the puck. One-time shot. Scores! Cody Corbett's first Western Hockey League goal, a one-timer. It's 2-1 Edmonton. It's Cody Corbett here from the Memorial Cup, and we're uh, we're number one in the nation, baby. Then you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident. We are back on the Pipeline Show, and let's continue on with our WHL team-by-team previews. We're in the middle of the BC division right now, and our next stop is Vancouver. Of course, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by our title sponsor. That's Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in Alberta. But you don't got to be in Alberta to get it. You have to contact either their location in Leduc or Spruce Grove, and anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. That's Wilhock Beef Jerky. My guest uh, to look at the Vancouver Giants is the uh, broadcast voice of those Giants. That's Dan O'Connor. Dan, welcome back to the program. How are things on the uh, wet coast? Uh, Guy, nice to talk to you. It, it's been too darn long since you and I have had one of these conversations. Yeah. Um, no complaints, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. You know, weather's been decent and Admittedly, we were stuck in a wrink all weekend with with training camp uh, wrapping up here in the in the past couple of days here with the Giants. But 
you know, it's it's just nice to be back in a ring again, frankly. I mean, of course, we, we had the hub season in Kamloops and Kelowna, and what a what an unforgettable experience that was. But just to, to be local again and to have fans being able to come and watch this team scrimmage and to, to talk to people at the rink again, it's, it's not quite completely normal yet. We've still got a ways to go to get there, but uh, certainly trending towards a more normal way of life, and that is a wonderful thing. Yeah, well, and considering all the heat that, that BC has had, even Alberta was really hot, but it was a lot hotter even in BC. Uh, I imagine just the relief from that uh, now as we get into fall and get back into a rink, that's got to be a good thing too. How are things right now in the last maybe month or so in BC with all the fires and, and the heat? You know what, I, I think we've, we've certainly had a little bit more rain as of late, and I think that's sort of the, the calling card of September where, where things get a little more damp and, you know, uh, certainly a, a tumultuous time with, with some of the heat and a lot of the fires that you alluded to and, you know, some scary moments definitely for, for some of our friends in the interior and in the center part of this province. But, um, you know, hopefully we're, we're through the worst of it and, and maybe this is just a great opportunity just for a tip of the cap to, to the frontline workers and the folks that are just battling to, to keep fires out and battling in our, in our hospitals and just battling to, to try and help us get back to a, a normal that we're comfortable with. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting to think about the, the prospect of a hockey season, but of course there's so much out there that, uh, you know, deserves our attention and deserves our praise as well, for sure. Dan O'Connor is my guest. He's the uh, voice of the Vancouver Giants, also the co-host of the Voice and the Coach podcast. Uh, maybe before we get into the uh, the Giants situation, uh, tell us a bit about the, the show, uh, how long you've been doing it. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, well, my my podcast is uh, is a joint venture with my now rival and longtime friend Mark Hollick. Uh, Mark, of course, was the head coach in Prince George for for two and a half seasons when I was up there. Yeah. Um, and, and so we we became great friends when he was up north, and we've maintained that friendship over the years. So early in well, I mean, we'd have to go back probably three summers ago now. We were having a beer together, and, and he mentioned, hey, you and I should do a podcast together. We've got some great stories to tell. We'd have great guests. And it was sort of one of those, yeah, ha-ha, you know, wouldn't that be funny type of things. And then, sure enough, COVID rolls around a, a year later. And, you know, I think all of us questioning a lot of the big picture stuff in our lives. And, you know, I sort of circled back to this podcast idea and thought that it would be sort of a, a therapeutic cathartic thing to do to just kind of keep the creative juices flowing a little bit and to have a little bit more of a daily weekly purpose. So I, I asked him, you know, were you serious? And, and he said, sure was. Uh, and, and we agreed to give it a shot. 44 episodes later, here we are, we've got a few sponsors. We had some remarkable guests and we've told some great stories uh, you know, a heavy hockey contingent, obviously a heavy WHL contingent with the show. And uh, even now that he's patrolling the bench on the on the Kamloops Blazers end of things as their new associate coach, we have every intention of continuing with the show. And wow. uh, if anything, I think it just makes for a, a, a bit more of a compelling rivalry, if you will. Um, but no, we're, we're really happy with, with the success that we've had, sort of a passion project for the two of us. And if you want to listen to the voice and the coach, we would certainly appreciate it. And you can find us on uh, 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, really anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find us at The Voice and The Coach. Great stuff. I, I was ask, I was going to ask if it's going to continue now that the uh, everything's kind of getting back into the swing of things here with the season, but I'm, that's great that you guys are going to keep going. Outstanding. All right, let's get to uh, business here with the Vancouver Giants as uh, camp, uh, well, camp opened for the Giants last week and through the uh, weekend and inter-squad game. So now we're into the preseason uh, for the Giants. Uh, First, let's mention the players who aren't back from what we saw in the spring, and that would be the 2,000-born guys, Eric Florchuk, Tristan Nilsson, as well as Alex Kanek-Liepert on the back end. And uh, Trent Miner, I believe, uh, also not in the picture now, right, as a signed uh, 20-year-old off to um, Colorado Avalanche camp and in their organization. Anybody else uh, that I'm uh, forgetting to mention? Well, I mean, th- those are certainly the primary four uh, guys who, who've had a long lineage of success with the Vancouver Giants. And, and you talk about four massive holes to yep. fill. I mean, with, with Trent Miner, Alex Kanek Leeper, Eric Florchuk, and Tristan Nielsen, you're talking about four players who just embodied the culture and embodied the community and just embodied so much of what it means to be a Vancouver giant. And and if you look at the past four years and just where this program has gone to, as far as, you know, being back as a perennial contender and being back as a, you know, in the thick of the playoffs and going to game seven and overtime in, in 2019, um, you know, Tristan Nielsen, Trent Miner, Alex Kanek, Leifert played a huge part in that run. Eric Florchuk was acquired a season later and, and just one of those guys where, you know, I, I, I was a bit, you know, I admit, you know, trade deadline 2020, the Vancouver Giants acquired Eric Florchuk. I initially, I sort of initially thought, oof, well, that was quite a price to pay. Yeah. But it, it didn't take long for Eric Florchuk to, to come in and really wow me and, and I think wow everybody else. I mean, he just he just fit right in. And, and the, the management staff, the coaching staff, they really did their homework with Eric Florchuk. And, and the, the piece was just a really seamless fit right from the start. So a, a huge absence when, when you look at those four guys. Alex Kanekley for the two-year captain for the Giants, Tristan Nielsen had, you know, he led the BC division in goal scoring, you know, in 2021. And then Trent Miner, who is just such a consummate pro, really from the word go with the Giants. Some big holes to fill, certainly um, from the leadership void. But the nice thing and the encouraging thing is that the Giants, because of some of the work that they did as far as, you know, just establishing and maintaining that culture, the Giants have that next wave coming, and it's definitely something to be excited about. Awesome. All right, let's start in net with the guys who are coming to camp. Uh, Drew Sim as a uh, third-round pick back in 2018, I believe. Uh, he's going to be uh, right in that mix. And exciting uh, excitement uh, around the import pick coming in as well, Jesper Vickman, uh, who is a uh, Vegas Golden Knights pick in the 2020 draft. So a pretty good battle uh, heating up here in camp. For sure. And, and I mean, Jesper Vickman is, is slated to arrive here any day. I mean, he, he won't be here long because then he's going to get on a plane and he's going to head to NHL camp with Vegas. But yeah. um, he's excited. Uh, he's looking forward to it. Uh, an opportunity for Jesper Vickman to play. I mean, if you look at what he's done in the past couple of seasons playing professionally in Sweden, you know, he's a younger guy, right? When you're 17 and when you're 18, you know, you're 
you're you're playing, you know, you're getting 15 starts here, you're getting eight starts here. You, you kind of shuffle around the Swedish pro leagues a little bit. So for him to come in, uh, it is going to be, I think, really good for his development to play a Western Hockey League schedule. And, you know, to if there's four games in a span of six days, and if he plays three of them, well, that's that's sort of along the lines of what you can expect when you get to pro, when you get to the American League, and when you get to the NHL. So I know there's a lot of people here excited about Jesper Vickman and what he could bring to the Vancouver Giants crease. Drew Sim, you know, certainly familiar to, to Central Alberta. He was a third-round pick and a, and a player who's, who's got talent, no question. I mean, he's, he's a high pick and, and, a, and a player who has, has won some games here in the WHL and is, is sort of figuring it out. You know, he's had some great, he's had some great protégés to, to learn from in recent years when you think about what David Tendick and Trent Miner sort of brought to the Vancouver Giants crease. Mm-hmm. Um, so now this is Drew's opportunity. This is a, a wonderful opportunity for Drew to kind of take the ball and run with it. Talking with Drew a little bit during training camp, he made it very clear that you know he and Jesper Vickman are already communicating back and forth. They've been sending each other a lot of text messages. There's, there's already a friendship and a rapport brewing with those two. Uh, but, but Drew Sim made it very clear that he he's a competitor and he's going to compete for the net. And that's exactly what you want if you're the Vancouver Giants. You don't want anything to just be a given. And, you know, when you get to a three and three weekend or when you get to a, a busy stretch of four games and five nights, you're going to need both goalies. And certainly both are very capable for the Vancouver Giants. Dan, the uh, the website uh, isn't updated with the rosters yet. Uh, so uh, forgive my ignorance. Uh, I'm looking at the defensive core. I know Cade McNally was added uh, via trade in the offseason. Uh, who are the other guys coming to camp this year that are going to be counted on to, you know, fill a hole? The, the, like you mentioned, Alex Kanek-Leepert uh, gone. Uh, I know there will be a lot of returning players, but uh, there must be some young guys uh, who are arriving as well. For sure, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's there, there are going to be a lot of familiar faces back there. I mean, Cade McNally is the big new addition, and, um, if, if there's a tougher player in the WHL, I, I would defy you to, to name him uh, than Cade McNelly. I mean, he's, uh, you know, everyone I think can play an inch or two taller on the ice because of Cade McNelly and just the presence that he brings. But the, the, the neat thing about Cade is not only is he tough and not only is he sort of revered and feared in the league, but he can play. I mean, he's going to LA Kings development camp and he's a guy who I think is, is playing for a contract this year as a 20 year old. So he's going to have some help with fellow 20 year old Connor Horning, you know, had 31 points as a 17 year old in this league on a, on a rebuilding Swift current team. There's, there's some offensive upside certainly with him. And then you look further down the line, Mazden Leslie is going to be 16 this season. Uh, he, he certainly impressed as an underager last year inside the BC division hub. He had five goals in 17 games. He had two goals in his first ever WHL game. And, and Guy, this this player is exciting. He is all about skill and offense from the back end. You know, very similar characteristics to a Brennan Manel or a Kalen Addison, that type of offensive skill set for Mazden Leslie. And I know that he's certainly entering this season with a lot of confidence. And then, you know, some other returning faces. Nico Camazola is a year older. Brendan Pentecost, a year older. Damian Palmieri is a younger defenseman that I know is going to to get an opportunity this season. And then Tanner Brown, uh, you know, he's a 24th overall pick back in 2017. 
uh, his game found another level inside the BC Division hub. He was the plus-minus leader for the Giants, really steady, very dependable two-way defenseman, and he has done wonders um, just from a leadership standpoint. And, and when you talk, you know, earlier I mentioned about the culture that this Giants team has has established in the past handful of years. Tanner Brown embodies all of that. He's going to be a big-time minute leader for this Giants team this season. And, um, you know, Marco Staccia, uh, a, de- a defenseman, uh, a European, was with the team in the hub last year. He's going to be back with the team here soon. So okay. certainly some options and some things to be excited about when it comes to uh, what the blue line could ultimately look like for the Giants. I was going to ask about Staccia. I guess the imports, uh, for at least here in Edmonton, they're not arriving until, well, I think today, actually. Um, but again, you mentioned uh, with uh, Vickman going off to uh, Vegas Golden Knights camp, the Oil Kings have the exact same situation with uh, one of their new imports who's coming over and off to Vegas Golden Knights camp uh, right away too. Let's go to the forwards uh, and uh, w- with Florchuk and Nilsson gone and uh, Alex Liepert on the back end, Alex Kanek Liepert, excuse me, that's three of your top four scores from last year all gone. I guess that's the bad news. The good news is your top score, Justin, sort of, He's back again and uh, coming off a 34-point season in 22 games. Uh, he's going to be counted on a lot this year, isn't he? He sure is, and I, I think I can confidently say that he'll be ready and uh, and the WHL better be ready. What a season he had in the hub. Um, you know, I, I'm sure Logan Stankoven, for the time that he was playing before he went off to the World Under-18s, might have something to say about it. Same with Connor Zary, but... Um, being unabashedly biased, uh, <laughs> I will say that Justin sort of was the clear-cut best player in the BC division this season. Um, every single game, he, he did not take a game off. There, there was not a single game where, where he dogged it, not a single game where he was a passenger. Uh, his game found another level. And, and and with that, his consistency. And, you know, he's always been, you know, a, a budding star for this Giants team. He had 22 goals as a 16-year-old. You know, some ups and downs during his draft year at 17. Uh, it's bewildering to me, he still to this day, that he went 87th overall in the mm-hmm. third round to the Florida Panthers. But, you know what, leave it to Justin to, to prove some of the naysayers and the doubters wrong. He's going to his first NHL camp with the Florida Panthers here this week. And uh, I, I wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if, if he's going to get signed here before too long. He is just that good. And... Um, you know, is he going to be, you know, it, yes, there's offense with Justin sort of, but there's so much more. I mean, he's just such a consistent two-way player for this Giants team. And and I think, I, I don't think I'm going out on a huge limb to suggest that if the Vancouver Giants are going to, to have some success, that they're going to win a round or two in the playoffs this year, he is going to be the focal point of this team's offense. He's got help, don't get me wrong, but um Really looking forward to seeing what Justin sort of can do in this league as a 19-year-old. He's ready for the challenge, and he is going to be an exciting player for fans in Vancouver and really for fans around the entire Western Hockey League to watch on a nightly basis. Would have to think he's a guy that's uh, probably in contention for the World Junior Team. 19-year-old coming off the year that he had? No question. And I mean, he got an invite to the summer, you know, development camp for Team Canada. It doesn't hurt that the associate coach on that team is Michael Dick. Yeah. Um, but J- J- Justin went to that camp in the summer, and he impressed. I mean, he he was widely praised for for what he was able to do at that camp, and 
you know what, I, I think certainly he's the kind of player that, you know what, he could play for Canada and he could start on the third or fourth line. And because he is just so responsible and because he is so focused on, on two-way success, he's a player that could maybe start a world junior on the third or fourth line, but could end the tournament on uh, a top line or, or a top two set of lines just because he can do a little bit of everything and he is that kind of competitor. Certainly we're hopeful and certainly we're encouraged by, by Justin in the summer that he had. I would love to see him represent Team Canada at the World Juniors, and I think he's got every opportunity to do exactly that. Dan, what's the supporting cast around Justin sort of uh, look like in Vancouver this year? Who are the, the main guys that are going to help him bring that offense? Well, I mean, initially you, you look at two guys in Zacho Stompchuk and Peyton Mount. I mean, those are two, uh, those are two you know, older forwards who have had success in the WNHL before that I think are going to bring some experience and some poise to, to the forward core. Uh, Ostopchuk, the 39th overall pick for the Ottawa Senators in 2021. Um, I mean, he's six foot three. He's 215 pounds. He is going to be a handful to defend against. Peyton Mount, a little more shifty, a little more creative, more of a playmaker. But I think that with a new lease on life with Vancouver and being back in his home province, I think he's excited and looking to break out. The, the two X factors for me up front for this Giants team, um, one is Cole Shepard. Uh, recovering from from an injury looks like mid-November is sort of the the soft date on the calendar where he might be back in the lineup full-time with the Vancouver Giants. As a 19-year-old, he's certainly got all of the talents and all of the tools to contribute. And then, of course, there's Fabian Lysel, uh, first-round pick of the Boston Bruins. Um, All signs are pointing towards him being a Vancouver Giant this season, and I, I mean, Guy, you and I have both been at this long enough to know that sometimes you don't re- you want to be careful with what you say until he's standing there in front of you in right. the flesh when it comes to imports and when it comes to Europeans. But um, if and when Fabian Lysel joins the Vancouver Giants, I mean, he's a first-round pick in the NHL, and he has skill for days, and he is going to be uh, a, certainly a dynamic offensive point producing player at the junior hockey level. And if he is a Vancouver giant, like we're hoping and expecting him to be, uh, that's going to add another valuable piece of firepower to this Vancouver Giants attack. Again, wanting to be careful with, with the language on him because you never know, you know, how these things shape up and he might go to his first NHL camp and he might give the Boston Bruins a lot to think about, but, um, Certainly an X factor for the Vancouver Giants indeed could be Boston Bruins first rounder, Fabian Lysel. Well, that would be a huge get for the Giants. It would also be, you know, a good problem, but a problem because then he'd have three Euros and he'd have to decide on what to do moving forward. But that's, uh, we'll leave that uh, for uh, the uh, management and the coaching staff to figure out. And uh, as I said, that'd be a good problem to have uh, if that were to happen. For the fans who want to come to uh, Giants games and and, uh, watch the team play this year, could be a very fun team to watch. What do they need to know coming to the rink? Uh, I've talked to a lot of uh, our our counterparts uh, across the league now, and uh, some places it's, you know, masks in the building. Other places you got to be fully vaccinated. What's the situation like in Vancouver? Yeah, I I mean, we we stand in full support of the B.C. government and and their mandates to make sure that everybody is double vaccinated if if they want to attend live sporting events in this province. So we are fully on board with that. 
um, add to the very best of my current understanding and, and realizing indeed that the goalposts are kind of always being moved and, yep. and no day is the same when it comes to COVID-19. Um, to, the, to the best of my understanding right now, uh, the, the Langley Event Center can operate to, uh, to at least a, a half capacity right now, just based on stage three in British Columbia. So, um, you know, as, as long as people are, are following the COVID-19 protocols and socially distancing and, and masking up indoor public, you know, masking up indoors and in public places, uh, we, we have every intent of opening the doors on the 8th of October and welcoming fans to the home opener of the Vancouver Giants. And we're, we're looking forward to you know, having a crowd in attendance again. And we, we look forward to the possibility of having it be, be full steam ahead, full attendance, full everything. But for the moment, we're just controlling what we can control. And that's just, you know, putting a, putting a competitive team on the ice that's going to, you know, bring some joy and bring some entertainment to the, uh, to the great fans of the lower mainland and the, the lower mainland here with the Vancouver Giants. And, you know, I, I think we, in this BC division this season, there are certainly some intriguing teams and, uh, I think there'll be some great battles to be had with Vancouver and Kamloops and Prince George and Kelowna and of course Victoria, but um, no, we're we're full steam ahead. We're we're excited to open our doors, and we are just committed to providing our fans with a safe and um, and an enjoyable hockey experience in a post-COVID world. Yeah, and you talk about the the moving goalposts. I see just this morning announced in the uh, in the Western Conference with the border situation that uh, you're not going to have any games against the U.S. division until, what, at least November? Yeah, and you know what? And that works great for the Giants because we didn't have anything scheduled in October anyway. So we we have uh, a trip to Portland on the 26th of November. Or sorry, Gee, the 24th of November is the first game for the Giants scheduled to take place down south. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, just a full tip of the cap to the managers and to the schedule makers and to the, the managerial staff of all of these teams who are, who are working harder behind the scenes than I think people realize yeah. to make sure that this can happen safely, to make sure that this can happen properly. Um, the amount of work, the amount of effort, the amount of dedication being put forth by these individuals to do this is remarkable and it's inspiring. And I know for someone who's been traveling with hockey teams for, you know, 11 years now in the WHL and 15 years in total, um, it doesn't just happen. You know, a bus doesn't just show up and you load gear and you go. I mean, there's a lot of things and a lot of moving parts behind the scenes in a non-COVID world, let alone now with a, a pandemic that still is is trying to be creative in, in its ways that it can affect and disrupt things. So, uh, thank you to everybody who's working so feverishly hard to to make this thing a success, and we look forward to seeing that. Well said, Dan. I can't add anything to that uh, except for knock on wood, we get uh, somewhat of a regular season and we get playoffs again. That would be terrific. I would expect Vancouver to be right in the thick of things uh, come playoff time once again. Uh, it was great of you to uh, make time for the Pipeline Show again, Dan. Great to catch up. I look forward to uh, seeing you, although we won't know if, uh, well, no chance that in the regular season that we'll see each other this year. 
Vancouver and Edmonton in the league final has a pretty good ring to it, don't you think? <laughs> it does. It does. There's 20 other teams who are disagreeing with us right now. but uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you know what? It's going to be a heck of a year. And, I mean, there's a lot of teams on paper that I think are going to be uh, in the mix and in the conversation. And, um, you know, just wanting to wish everybody the, the absolute best of luck and safety and health and good vibes as they get through their training camps and, It'll sure be nice to, to visit a few different rinks and see some of the great people of this league because, you know, I think we can all agree that the hockey world is, is filled and littered with great people. And uh, and that's the best part of, of being involved in it is just the friendships you make along the way. So uh, be well, Guy. Thank you for the time. Always, uh, always a joy talking hockey with you and just wishing you and everybody uh, in your life just um, the utmost in health and safety and positivity. And we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Right back at you, Dan. Thanks for this. All the best. Vancouver Giants. Uh, thanks to Dan O'Connor for uh, being our tour guide uh, through that stop through Vancouver. The the Giants, to me, this is this is where the asterisk comes in. I mentioned at the start, I don't know if it, maybe you didn't hear the opening segment, but I gave you my one through five. I said Kamloops, Vancouver with an asterisk, then PG, uh, Kelowna, and Victoria. The asterisk comes in. Because of Fabian Lasalle, if if he's there, I think this is a team that uh, that can finish in second, maybe even give Kamloops a, a run. He's a difference maker at the junior hockey level. The thing is, he could play in the American Hockey League this year. I don't know what Boston is going to do with him. It sounds like the Giants are expecting that if he's not in the NHL, he's coming their way. I don't expect him in the NHL, but until the Bruins send him there, uh. I don't know if trust is the right word, but I can't trust the Bruins to do that. I think it would be best for the player, but the player played professionally last year. Maybe they think, okay, maybe the next step for him, the right step for him would be the American Hockey League. I don't know. If he's in Vancouver, it's a huge jolt of offensive uh, punch for the Giants. If he's not, then I think they're third. Tell me what you think. At TPS underscore Gee, that's the question of the week. Give me your one through five. Still some interesting pieces there. I've heard Justin Sordiff as a potential trade target from a lot of teams who are looking to add that guy, that 19-year-old who probably isn't back in the league next year. But if the Giants are really competitive, if they get LaSalle, then maybe we see the opposite and the Giants are trying to add to take a shot at this year. We'll see. That's what makes the WHL and junior hockey in general so exciting. We have one more team to visit before the end of this week's episode, and that would be on Vancouver Island. It's the Victoria Royals. Marlon Martins, the broadcast of Voice of Those Royals. He's up next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's Eric Comrie from the Tri-City Americans. Break away from center. Basketball coming in on Comrie. He's stopped by Eric Comrie, and the Golden Glove keeps it tied. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. It's definitely one worth talking about. Tell them why, bud. Juicy Gossip New England Pale Ale. This bright and full-flavored IPA is flashy and delicious. Tropical flavors of pineapple and mango dominate this perfectly hoppy beer. Player comparable? Alex Ovechkin. Specialized job and every time is a party. 
Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Fights like an old lady. Final segment to go on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show as we continue on looking ahead to this coming season in the WHL's BC division. Our last stop is in Victoria. We'll get to uh, our guest here in a second. Of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in Alberta. And my guest uh, for this final segment this week is uh, Marlon Martins, the uh, voice of the Victoria Royals. Marlon, welcome back to the program. How are things on the island? All oh, things are uh, they're, they're optimistic and uh, exciting time of year for sure. All right. Well, the uh, the the team getting set here for camp and uh, actually has camp started yet? I know some teams in the BC division start later this week, and uh, I think Vancouver has started already. In fact, started last weekend. Uh, where are you, where are the Royals at? Uh, training camp is wrapped up as of uh, on the seventh. Uh, Tuesday evening with their intra-squad game, and uh, now they're off to uh, practice and then get ready for preseason. Okay, fantastic. Let's take a look at the uh, the roster for this season. First, we'll look back at who's not back uh, from the the team that was here in the uh, shortened season in the spring, uh, and that'd be the three 20-year-olds uh, who were to Brandon Cutler up front, as well as uh, Matthew Smith on the blue line and netminder Adam Ivanov. Uh, as well, Braden Tracy, probably not uh, with the team, I would think, uh, being a signed 20-year-old now uh, heading into this season. Uh, correct correct me if I'm wrong, if Braden Tracy is actually in camp, I would be really surprised if he is. Oh, uh, Braden Tracy is uh, uh, yeah, with the Anaheim uh, San Diego with the organization there. So, no, he was uh, not in camp. Um, also, uh, not returning the, the Royals uh, back in June, traded uh, defenseman Nolan Bentham to Lethbridge for Chase LaPinta and three picks, including a, a second, but LaPinta is not uh, in camp. Um, also, the uh, Royals traded Carson Golder, defenseman, away to Edmonton for a, a ninth-round pick. Uh, he didn't play in the, uh, in the, car, in the cross-hub. Uh, also... Uh, not in camp or the two imports, but uh, I understand they are returning uh, today or on the on the eighth, mm-hmm. and uh, that would be uh, Sebastian Ranishitz and Keanu Durungs. Also, uh, uh, Keegan Maddox not here in O3 Netminder. He was uh, traded to Regina for overage forward Carter Massier. And also Noah Lamb was traded mid-August defenseman for another defenseman, Devin Oban, from the Swift Current Broncos. So uh, those are some of the guys that are, are uh, not in camp. And uh, yeah. So some significant changes. A lot of different faces will be with the team this year and in camp. But to start off with, um, let's look at the goaltending position then. Uh, who is the, the number one guy at this point, or is that sort of still to be determined here as camp is finished, but we get into preseason? What's the status for the Royals? That's exactly it. It's uh, yet to be determined if they have a, a number one uh, starter or not, because uh, they're excited about uh, Sebastian Ranishitz. 
uh, who was a standout at this year's World Junior Championship, made his first appearance for the Austrian men's national team against Belarus back uh, like uh, August of 2021. He's six foot, 176, exceptionally competitive, athletic goalie, uh, really good work ethic, and of course comes with all that uh, international experience. So really excited to see what he can do if you just. Uh, yeah, just Google his name and, and watch some of the highlights from the World Juniors. Uh, you, Royals fans should be quite excited about him. Uh, there's also another O2 net miner in Connor Martin. He comes back uh, for his second season. And uh, Connor, he's got uh, nerves of steel. He's got ice in his veins. He's just such a relaxed uh, and controlled net miner. So really excited uh, what he can bring this season. And also they went out and uh, acquired uh, another goaltender, and that was um, Tyler Palmer, uh, an 03 netminder. Uh, from, he was uh, playing with the uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League, the, the Spruce Grove Saints. Yep. Competitive, uh, athletic. He looked really sharp in training camp. So they have three guys that are, are great people and uh, athletic and uh, ready for the challenge. So there's some good competition there between the pipes for Victoria this season. Well, that's what camp is for. You want to get that competition going uh, and push guys to, to get better and um, make it uh, not easy for, for guys to make the team. So that's good to hear. Uh, looking at the uh, the back end for uh, the Royals, and I can only go off of the, the most recent roster update, which is back in the spring, uh, as the new one isn't uh, up just yet. But uh, this is a, a team that has a pretty healthy mix. A couple of older guys, but a lots of, uh, of youth on this uh, blue line here. Guys who got a lot of experience just in that shortened season uh, this past spring. They'll be looking to really advance their game here as the uh, the new season gets closer. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. The uh, the Royals uh, will have a younger defense uh, if the season started to, today. But uh, if you look at just 16-year-olds, you got Austin uh, Zemlak, who's a first-rounder, came up for a couple games in the cross-up. Um, then there's the uh, Spizaka twins, uh, Jason and Ryan, and, and Ryan is also a utility. Uh, you can play forward or defense, and those are, that's your 04 group, uh, along with uh, Luke Shipley, who's coming back, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a six-round Bantam pick, and also uh, Kalen Parker, who's really impressed in camp, uh, a second-round Bantam pick. Uh, uh, the, the guy who thinks the game very well. He's come back bigger. He's really put in the work in the off season and uh, likes to, you know, he can get up in the rush as well. So there's maybe four uh, in the in the 17 year old bracket, and then uh, in the 18 year old group for Victoria, Gannon Larock, who's a real standout uh, in the cross hub abbreviated season. Uh, he was uh, selected by the San Jose Sharks in the fourth round, and he'll be heading off to camp. Uh, to their camp here shortly. Uh, Laroque, um just a great story there where he's, uh, he wasn't drafted in the Western Hockey League, but uh, then he put in the work and he played at the uh, Northern Alberta Extreme uh, Prep. And, uh, you know, the, the Royals listed him and uh, he's a big guy and he plays really well. Uh, and he's physical, smart, thinks the game. Uh, 6'2", 196 was uh, his height and weight uh, back in last season but uh he's uh he's put on some weight and uh, he looks r- raring to go so pretty excited about Laroque. also there's Braden Smith in the 03 group he's uh you know he's got some grit plays some sandpaper and then 
uh, newly acquired Devin Oban, and Oban played really well in camp as well. He's just a shifty defenseman. He's uh, smart out there, very cerebral. He lots of deception. He'll draw guys in and, and make really good passes and and uh, get the puck out of the zone. So uh, that's where the Royals are at with their defense uh, right now. I'm going to go back to LaRock for a sec, a local guy here in Edmonton, as you mentioned, but sort of unheralded last year. And, you know, I think Central Scouting had him ranked in the 200s or something like that. So when San Jose selected him in the fourth round, I think that raised a lot of eyebrows. Uh, you got to watch him up close, though. Was that a surprise to you, or do you think a lot of people just overlooked him? Yeah, I think uh, overlooked. I think San Jose, just, it was a great selection by them. And uh, I'm just, uh, you know, excited about uh you know, the upcoming seasons that, again, could have, you know, with Victoria, just you just see the way he plays and the way he uses his size and just really uh, effective and um, able to, to get up in the rush as well. And he just picks and chooses his, you know, spots wisely, um, you know, not afraid to mix it up. It's uh, And the potential for more growth as well. I mean, he's just a 2003 born, so... Um, San Jose is projecting down the road. Uh, I think they've got themselves a good one here. Marlon, let's look, go to the forward units now. And uh, two of the top three scorers from the club last year in the hub uh, are not back. That would be Cutler and Braden Tracy. Uh, Taron Feisler, though, is back. Uh, this is a guy who is going to be counted on in a big way this year. He delivered last year for the Royals. Does he? T- can he take his game to another level this year? No, I think so. Darren Pfizer is such a cerebral player. He's the captain of the Royals. He's point per game in the cross hub. Um, he's just got a great shot, quick release. He's just fast and he plays in all positions. So I think Terrence going to have a monster season for Victoria. Uh, there's also uh, Carter Massier that they just acquired from the Regina Pats. And man, this guy, he's so fun to watch. He just brings the size, the speed that he can on the wing. He was burning guys in the intra-squad game, getting around him, scored a nice goal. Uh, next level speed, really. Uh, just just fast. Knows for the net. He's got the big body. He's really filled in. Uh, he's great around the net. He has got goes to the net, net front guy as well. Uh, positive, energetic. He's going to be a great leader for this team and a uh, you know, good addition to the, the leadership group. He says he does whatever. I was talking to him the other night, and uh, he says he plays he play gritty, getting the scrums, tight. Prides himself playing both ends of the ice, so and he hopes to bring some more offense to his game this season as well. So um, easily to approach this guy, and uh, just pretty exciting what uh, he can bring up front as one of the overagers for Victoria. Uh, Keanu Durang's returns as well, and uh, great on the power play. In fact, I think he picked up all his points in the cross-up games. Uh, uh, with the man advantage, goes to the front of the net, and you know he played for Switzerland at the World Juniors again. So excited what Keanu can do. Uh, Ty Yoder, great hands, good skill. Talking about the O2 group here, Riley Gannon. Um, he really uh, elevated his game in the crosser before he got injured. Uh, he'll be back. And then uh, there's the, the O3 group looking for uh, the younger guys to take another step forward. Uh, they had a good uh, good season with uh, Braden Sherman uh, for Victoria. He was half point per game. He was a 2004-born uh, Carter Derenuski, very smart, good hands, like the, you know, thinks the game well. So um, that's where some of the offense is going to be coming here for the Victoria Royals. How important was that shortened season for the young guys on this team? Because it, just off the top of my head, it looks like maybe Victoria might be the youngest team in the uh, in the division 
And a lot of those guys got a taste of the WHL in the spring that they otherwise might not have if it was a normal season. Um, I, I have to think that was really beneficial to that group. Absolutely. When you look at uh, the 25-man roster that played last season, 15 of those 25 were first-year wow. players in the league. So not only did they get a chance to, to play at a higher level throughout those games, they had to go up against uh, guys who were bigger, older, you know, stronger. Um, and also what it did translates over into what they do in the offseason. Now they know what they're up against when the, the fall comes. There's not going to be that surprise. They've already got that experience. That's already, you know, uh, that's already gained that way. They, they know how to prepare. They know what areas they needed to work on. And they're just that one step ahead already heading into this next season. So they're ready to returning some experienced players, even though they, they're a, a lot younger. But I was talking to Dan Price about the age of the team. And he said, you know, the average age with the additions that they've made is, is right on par with historical averages within the league. So not as young as everybody thinks they are. He says they're ready to go. All right, fair enough. Uh, as uh, Marlon Martins is my guest, he's the voice of the Victoria Royals. We're looking ahead to this coming season for the club on the island. We, we uh, heard the news this morning, the WHL uh, announcing that um, the BC division and the U.S. division uh, won't play each other until at least uh, November uh, because of the border situation. Does that How big of a, you know, a, a wrench does that throw into the mix? Uh, I just uh, spoke earlier with... Um, one of your counterparts from uh, Vancouver, Dan O'Connor, said they were, weren't scheduled to head down south until November anyway. Uh, does this really affect things for Victoria here in the in the first month of the season? Yeah, there was four games that uh, were supposed to play uh, in the U.S., um, Seattle, Portland, Spokane, Tri-City in October. So mm-hmm. those games have been removed. And instead, uh, going to Prince George, instead of going up there once, uh, going twice. Right. So adding a couple more games against Prince George, Kelowna, Kamloops. So now the Royals will see the Cougars 14 times this season, Kelowna and Kamloops 13, and uh, Vancouver 12. So it does change that. Also, they removed a preseason game, the September 15th one that was in Kamloops against the Blazers. So it uh, it did uh, definitely uh, tweak the Royals' scheduling, that's for sure. I have no idea. Does it, How long does it take to get from Victoria to Prince George and compare that to Victoria to I don't know, I guess, say Portland would be the furthest south you go. What's the time difference? Well, by the time, let's say, once uh, you get across the ferry, so say from Vancouver, going to Prince George would take about 10 hours, and going to Portland would take another six, six and a half. Oh, so it's actually a longer trip to go up uh, to Prince George than it is to cross the border and, and head down to Oregon, um, depending, I guess, how what sort of delay there is at the border. Yeah, well, it's been a while, but... Uh, yeah, we're working uh, on getting across the border and then streamlining those processes. So uh, it always depends, though, if there's a lot of uh, tourist bus ahead of you. But who knows how things will be nowadays. Uh, Marlon, for fans who want to come to the rink and watch the, the Royals in action this year, I know it's a little bit different depending where you are, certainly in Western Canada, but also just within B.C. What's the situation like on the island right now for, for those fans who want to come to games? Well, the, the Victoria Royals are following the uh, public health authority as well as what the, the Western Hockey League is mandated. So they will be requiring show proof of double vaccination to, uh, to get into the rink to, to watch the games. And that will kick in September 25th uh, with their exhibition game against um, the Prince George Cougars. Uh, that's going to be 
they figure what boy it's been oh, close to 600 days in fact wow when the regular season opens october 2nd against the giants it'll be 581 days that the last western hockey league game was played on the on uh, Blanchard Street here in, in Victoria. Holy cow. Well, and it's been two springs since we've seen uh, the playoffs either, so let's uh, you know hope the, for the best and that we get back to normal here or as close to it as, as possible and that there are playoffs again uh, in the spring of 2022. And if there are, do you, Marlon, expect Victoria to be in that mix in the BC division or do you kind of look at this and is it more realistic to think this is a, a building, growing, developing year for this uh, this team, well, I don't see why they wouldn't be there. I mean, just with the amount of experience that they're returning and the type of team that uh, head coach Jim Dan Price is building, they've got a ton of speed. Um, one of the fastest teams that he's seen in Victoria in his time. He's, they also play with a lot of physicality, so play fast, physical, tenacious. That really should give them an advantage, and uh, they should be in uh, in every game. And plus, with the the net minding that they've got. Um, yeah, pretty excited about what the season brings. But uh, again, that's why they play the games. That's exactly true. Uh, Marlon, I really appreciate your time. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, the Eastern and Western Conferences don't cross paths this year, so we won't get to see you at the rink. Uh, but hopefully uh, it won't be all that much longer. And this time next year, we'll be uh, looking at the, uh, the Royals and the Oil Kings uh, getting together again. Yeah, really looking forward to that. I can't wait. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Guy. Marlon Martins, the uh, play caller for the Victoria Royals. That was the final stop on the tour through the BC division. I got to tell you, when I was doing that interview with uh, Marlon, we had some sort of delay going on in our connection. I would ask a question, and it would be literally three, maybe a five-second count before it got to him, and then he replied. It was like talking to a correspondent on CNN who's over in uh, the Middle East or something like that. It was... That was a little weird. Able to clean it up afterwards, but, uh, you know, I appreciate Marlon and his time. I mean, we talked about it afterwards. It was a little weird. Even just saying goodbye and stuff was was weird. But we got it done. And that uh, that completes the the uh, the BC Division preview. For the Royals, I, I don't know. To me, it seems like a, a development growing year for uh, the Royals. They've got some, some talent on that club. But when I look at the rest of the division, I don't know that they're going to be able to push into a playoff spot. I could be wrong. It's happened once before when I was wrong. But on paper to me, they seem to be the weakest of the five BC division teams. If you disagree, let me know. Fire me off a tweet at TPS underscore Gee. That is the question of the week to give me your one through five in the BC division when it's all said and done this year. And I'm not opposed to being told that I'm wrong. But that does it for this week's episode Thanks to all five of uh, the broadcasters who uh, joined me this week. It means it's cleanup time, though. If you haven't got a bidet yet, then go to hellotushy.com slash pipeline and order your bidet. Do it today. Stop wiping. Start washing your butt. It's way easier. It's way quicker. And it's better for you and for the environment. The 100 120 bucks you're going to spend on the bidet, you're, it's going to pay for itself in a matter of months just on the toilet paper that you save. Guys, your wife or your girlfriend will like it, too. And they'll really thank you for being so considerate. HelloTushy.com slash pipeline. Next week on the program, of course, we get to the Central Division. We're halfway through the WHL team-by-team previews. The next couple shows will be even longer than these uh, past two have been as uh, more teams to get through. As we go from the five division teams to the six division teams. 
Interestingly, the WHL's website still lists the Swift Current Broncos as being in the East Division. They did that. They made that swap last year so that the uh, Broncos could play in the the hub in Regina. But as far as I know, they're back in the Central Division this year. And yet the WHL's website has them still in the East. So we'll, we'll find out next week when we call in all the Central Division teams and bring you the previews for those six, I guess maybe five teams. We'll find out next week. Quick shout out to everybody who's been signing up to be a patron here lately. And uh, that's fantastic. I really appreciate that. Uh, just in just in the last couple of days, thanks to Rick, Todd, Richard, Wayne, David, JJ. Last week, it was uh, Mike and Ryan and Jerry. Really appreciate all of you coming on board like that. Uh, your support uh, goes a long way in keeping the show alive. So I appreciate that. For the rest of you, wherever you get your copy of the Pipeline Show from, whether it's Spotify or SoundCloud or iTunes or Google Podcasts or the Podbean, wherever you get it from, if you have the opportunity to take a quick second, leave a rating, whether it's four or five stars, or maybe you're a two-star guy, but I'd appreciate uh, letting me know why that would be. And if you can leave a, a comment there as well, that would be fantastic. It helps grow the audience and give more exposure to the show. If people are just searching for a hockey podcast or something like that and the, the Pipeline show comes up, they might not have any idea what it is if they've never heard of it before. So what you tell them could go a long way into giving them, a, uh, encouraging them to give the program a try. So I would appreciate if you would do that. And with that, I want to wish you a good weekend. Get back into the rinks. And if you have a chance, watch some hockey. So we can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show, powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name's Keith Flaming. See ya.